online also. Look at us. So on top of shit. Yeah, we're all all organized and shit. It's almost like we've done this a hundred times before. It always took a episodes to get you guys to finally launch your fucking back <laughs> without being asked. I'm so proud of you both right now. It's feel like a, a proud mama bird watching her little baby birds fly away from the nest. Aww. It's all right. We'll we'll fuck this up soon enough. I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. That, I'm sure Christy's computer's gonna lock up in 30 seconds. So <laughs> yeah. Now now we've just fully jinxed it. So yeah. Absolutely. Actually, you know, mine all blue screen like it did on. Oh no, that wasn't a Dance Robot Dance episode. No, it? that was that was side A side B. That was side A side B. But yeah. yeah, my machine fucked up and just crashed out real hard. Yeah, that was like the only time I think that you've ever had technical difficulties. But yeah, but now I'm not. I'm now I'm not seeing a live feed from Zencaster. Oh, that's exciting. Should we hold off? Uh, it seems to be doing something. All right. Real well, I'm slow. Just, I'm just fucking ah. gonna go with it then. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, well, now that we've thoroughly fucking jinxed ourselves, welcome back, dear listeners, to Dance Robot Dance, our 101st episode. We've got some musical subject matter for you tonight. But we've first, I'm Tim. I'm going to be hosting this episode. I am Tim. Yep, I am Tim. Thanks, everybody. First off, I would say for all of the uh, the love that we got, got some a lot of shares and a lot of congratulations mm-hmm. and stuff like that for our. 100th episode last week which is always nice to see i'm looking yeah, forward as people actually have time to sit down and listen to the episode to maybe like get some feedback on our uh, story ideas and stuff like that so if mm-hmm. you're listening go do that because probably if you're listening to this that means that you've already listened to episode 100 uh but with me this week we've got our usual crew of misfits got mark how's it going guys because mark's always here and as he pointed out last week has never missed a goddamn episode 101 strong baby 101 <laughs> strong he's a good 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 street going and uh, Christy. Say hello, Christy. Oh, I thought you didn't say my name, so you were like, and uh, I was like, oh, my name is Christy. Son of I'm a sorry. Bitch. <laughs> and the other one. <laughs> I was too busy taking Christy's usual role and screaming into my microphone over top of everybody else. <laughs> I don't always do that. I did say always. I said usual. It's not usual. I'm the quietest of the three of us. Only if we're talking about shit you don't care about. Yeah. Yeah, until you get going, and then you're just like all over the place. Well, then I get yeah. passionate. Mile <laughs> a minute. Our yeah. little Christy. Speaking of which, we, we still need to get that uh, get that Harry Potter episode. Maybe the next. I think maybe the next episode Christy does should yeah. be our Harry Potter. Episode. Harry Potter. I met. Uh, I was having a meeting with someone today at work until like seven forty, and he told me at one point he just like blatantly came in. He's like, I don't care about Harry Potter, Christy. And I was like, Oh. <laughs> Get out of my house! I don't care about you. Yeah, exactly. Shitty British X Men. Just <laughs> get it out of your system now, Mark. I don't think she's gonna. No, I'm looking forward that. to doing the Harry Potter episode. Actually, I haven't seen those movies in a while. I should probably rewatch them or something like that. I was gonna read the books, but I'm like, that's a lot of work, which is not <laughs> probably something that's gonna actually happen. But yeah. Chrissy's gonna eat on the podcast. Yeah, Yay. episode one hundred and one. Yeah, it wouldn't, wouldn't be a dance robot dance episode without Christy stuffing her face with food. Back to the old tropes. <laughs> Good times. Dem tropes. Let's throw out a community reference. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into uh, this week's news. Nothing huge or major, I would say, but there was a couple more, couple more sacrifices to the Me Too gods this week. The biggest one that we talked about on our Facebook feed a little bit was Chris Hardwick, uh, host of Nerdist Podcast and At Midnight and sort of just talking at AMC kind of thing. Yeah, so, talking, yeah. yeah, talking dead or talking bad or whatever else kind of thing. Got not necessarily, well, I mean, basically accused. His ex-girlfriend, Chloe Dykstra, 
basically posted an article about a very abusive relationship that he had without she had without naming names kind of thing but it was pretty obviously implied that Hardwick is who she was talking about and since then basically he's gone bye-bye uh his he posted a statement so he did well, i mean did yeah i mean his, his career has gone bye-bye uh, oh yeah his yeah, is yeah. all of his amc shows are gone like, Fuck you. yeah nerdist has like removed all reference of him from his site like basically denying not necessarily denying that he ever had a part in it but you know trying basically not to promote him anymore yeah, they're uh, they're they're going to be in a bad branding position for the next little while. So yeah, I mean, I've unsubscribed from all their shit. Like anything that wasn't had to do with the guy, I'm like, I'm out. I don't want to deal with it anymore. Yeah. Part especially because like half of the people that were commenting on it were like, no, we should hear Chris's side of things first. And I'm like, oh man, we've been hearing Chris's side of things for like ten years, and he always kind of comes off like a dude. dick. Yeah, exactly. So that's always been my impression of the guy too. And like, I mean, I I've never really listened to the Nerdist. I've never watched any of those Talking Dead shows. Like I. I'm, I've only ever been passingly familiar with Chris Hardwick, but uh, I've never, it's, that was on purpose <laughs> kind of thing. I was a fan. Like, I actually listened to the Nerdist fairly regularly. Like, he always had good guests on, and like, he had the, he always had the best guests, so it was kind of like, well, I'd probably listen to it, because at least I'll get some information from them. Um, yeah. I liked his co-host, too, like Matt and, uh, jo- Matt and Jonah were both pretty funny, so I, I'm assuming they're complicit, or at least partially complicit. I know Matt tweeted in support of chelsea over the Ooh. weekend so like that's a thing yeah that's happened too when well, jonah jonah's the the new uh mst3k guy right uh Isn't that jonah? i can't remember i can't remember if it's jonah or matt that does all the podcast stuff like he was there was one of them that was working with like the smodcast guys all the time and then there was the other guy who went to mst3k i don't remember which one's which i think it was yeah jo- jonah, jonah ray. ray yeah is the one that uh is now the mystery science theater 3000 sort of host Mm-hmm. yeah and they they don't show up on the nervous that much anymore so i've stopped i had stopped more or less listening for the past year because they show up like once every three months i would i would listen to they call them hostful episodes where it was just like the three guys kind of mm-hmm. thing um so i would listen to those just to hear the other two guys but like usually the mainstream stuff like i was like if it was somebody i was interested in i would listen to it i never hated hardwick like i didn't have like a problem or whatever one way or the other but this was like this is enough for me to just be like i'm gonna back off and see how this all kind of pans out before i go like you know saying i'm still a fan of his because not really like was never really a fan to begin with just he had a good network of people he could get to show up on his podcast that were interesting so yeah kind of like uh joe rogan too like i don't care for him and not not that he's in the same fucking league obviously (laughs) like doing horrible shit but like i I find him fucking infuriating for the most part even though i am like as like hippie as he is sometimes i'm just like oh dude shut up but he's just like fucking conspiracy theory like pseudoscience bullshit kind of thing and yeah if so. if anybody's ever really, like looked us up on uh, the itunes store i don't know i i guess the, the algorithm probably sort of personalizes recommendations to some extent but for me at least when i look for our podcast yeah jo- the, the joe rogan, joe rogan experience or whatever yeah. always fucking shows up as you know if you like dance robot dance mm-hmm. you should listen to the joe rogan experience and i, I just want to be yeah. like no you should definitely not do that well, I got to, yeah, I, I had the same reaction. I looked at our page a couple times, like trying to get the link and stuff to post. And it was like that and the Nerdist. And I was like, <laughs> I don't know how I'm feeling about that. And this is months ago. Yeah. Like I didn't like the comparison then. And now I'm just like, I hope to God, I don't have to fucking see that next time I log into the iTunes store and look at our stuff. Yeah, so. So. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, no, you guys have just been like, let me in. <laughs> I had a feeling you guys wouldn't want to let me talk about this because of the comment that I made in our messenger. No, go ahead. What comment did you make in the messenger? No, just that I 
I feel bad for people who support this guy. I like pity them because I'm like, oh, you dummies. Oh, you dummies. Mm. Did you learn nothing from the last few months? Are you still like ingrained yeah. in your brain that this is? Let's, let's look at it this I know, way. But if, like, like, if like Bill Cosby too. and like John Lasseter, you know, were doing inappropriate things and those are two like fucking paragons of family entertainment, it could be fucking anybody. I know. Yep. But I think I never knew anything about this guy. I still don't know anything about this guy. But from reading her article, it's like it's so detailed and mm-hmm. it's not it's nothing that's so it's not it's the fact that it's like the small things that became huge and like the small comments he made and things like that. It's like that's not shit you make up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and so. she stands nothing to gain from doing no. all that, you know, like she's so I mean yeah, it's just, and all the fucking comments that we've seen where people are like, well, let's listen to his side of the story. Like, that's the fucking reason that for so many years, uh, victims wouldn't come forward is because they knew if they did, people would just say, well, you know, she's probably where's just lying proof? or probably just doing it for the attention or where's the proof or whatever. Whereas, yeah. you know, sexual and psychological. Yeah, and abuses. if you're going to post that shit on our Facebook group. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Finish your point. Finish your point. I was going to say, I mean, sexual and psychological abuse are just legendarily difficult to prove. Uh, and it's the sort of thing you where... You can't prove psychological. Have, yeah, exactly. And if you have the courage to come forward with it, then the least that fucking people can do is is, is hear you yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, if you're going to post this shit on our Facebook group, but also listeners, pray to Christ you get Christy or Tim to reply to you first, because I will fucking tear <laughs> strip off you and then ban you. So... Cause I'm done. Like I'm fucking over yeah. it now. So, I think part of stay the fuck away from us. <laughs> I think part of the problem is that don't spray me with that, Mark. <laughs> Gross. Inappropriate. Inappropriate. I'm gonna also, have to cut that out. Now I have to cut also that. not the right <laughs> time. <laughs> I think Sorry. part of the problem is that that people, when it comes to this stuff they don't want to believe so hard because it's their heroes Mm -hmm. and they they're so desperate for it not to be like real and not to be accurate that they will push back and push back and push back and say, there's been no proof. There's no, like this has got, there's gotta be a reason behind this. There has to be a reason as to why you are trying to ruin this person for me. And it becomes a personal attack when something like this happens for someone like Chris Hardwick, who has more hardcore, like culty fans. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's why I pity the people who are like, no, 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 no. Like, let's just hear his side. Like, because I get the mob mentality thing. That's a huge thing that's happening right now. People turn on a dime. But that's how it it should be if you've been a sexual abuser or, you know, whether mentally or physical. But I think for the, the people who love these celebrities who have been, you know, ousted, the turn isn't justified to them but they'll do it in other situations yeah and i think that that's hard for people to reconcile is that sorry it is like a light switch if you're a sexual predator guess what you're done you lose all of your credibility you're done it is a light switch you went from good to bad into the fucking sea with you yes (laughs) but yeah we can move on that's a long time to spend on a single news item uh the other sort of semi me too related we talked about how john lasseter stepped down from disney and pixar uh, but now his replacements have been announced. Uh, so Jennifer Lee is going to be stepping into the role as the chief operating officer of Walt Disney's animation studios. And she was the one that co-directed and co-wrote Frozen, 
Sweet. Yeah. And Pete Doctor, who was the director of Inside Out, as well as a bunch of other stuff for Pixar, will step into that COO role with Pixar. That's rad. Those are good choices. Yeah. So I think in both cases, I mean, in one case, we're getting a fucking female, like basically leading the creative branch of Disney's animation, which is amazing. Yeah. So I was happy to see that. Yeah, Chrissy just gave a thumbs up. Yeah, she's good, eating, good, so just good so fucking, fucking visual pics. Oh, and then she, and now she's, she's flipping me off. <laughs> That's good. Good, uh, good. She's doing it again. And this is uh, on the like, back. Chrissy, you need to do your nails. You have some cuticle oh, issues. Oh. I just want you to know. And that news is uh, on the back of Incredibles 2 breaking the records for the being the most successful opening ever for an animated film. I heard it's good. I haven't had a chance to go see it yet. Yeah, I don't think any of us have seen it yet, but uh, it's, I mean, all the reviews I've seen have been really positive, and all the people on my Facebook feed that have gone and saw it really enjoyed it. So it's not one that I know if, know that I'm going to go out and see in theaters, but we'll see. Mark and I tried to go, but it was sold out. Yeah, yeah I've heard I've heard a lot of those stories where like they're, they've been sold out here and there, and I'm like, that's... I'm there, I haven't heard any of that for like anything this summer so far because i've walked yeah especially like a couple days after the premiere kind of thing like i could see maybe on like friday night or whatever but if you're going in on like a saturday or sunday then that's kind of surprising yeah but yeah i'm glad to see it's doing well uh i said we had a sort of offline discussion about like each of our personal relationships with pixar and maybe we could do like a disney or pixar like animated film episode at some point i'm sure we get some mileage out of that but like i just hell yeah, yeah i just haven't done since i think like up i haven't really like been one to rush out to see pixar films and i will paraphrase what i said in our chat which was to say that if 80 percent plus of pixar films didn't take so much fucking delight in tearing my heart out and gleefully dancing on it then i might go see more pixar movies but that's just not where i am in my life right now i don't want to go and just have have my fucking emotions manipulated in a movie theater I let records do that for me. I don't need movies doing it. So I kind of like, I don't know. I've never been a Pixar. Like, I'm not a big Disney nut like you guys are, obviously. I think we've talked about this before, but like Pixar stuff is like, yeah, I'm fine with it. If it's on, I'll sit down and watch it. But I don't, I don't go out of my way. I've seen the Toy Story movies. I've seen the first Cars. I've obviously I've seen Incredibles. Everything else, I'm just like, meh, whatever. If it shows up, I'll watch it. If not, meh. It reminds me that I'm human. Yeah. <laughs> I have a lot of love for uh, for Wally in particular, but that's just me like being a nerd and loving like a little robot love story. Mm-hmm. I've oh. never seen it. Oh, it's Wally's really sweet. Yeah. It's not, it's, I don't know, man. Like kids' movies, I just can't. Well, the thing with the Pixar movies, they're enjoyable. Yeah, the Pixar though. movies really do kind of have something for everybody. Like you know, you don't have to be a kid to enjoy them. But anyways, we'll talk about that when we inevitably do a Disney movie episode or Pixar movie episode or whatever. I will say this really quick. I'm surprised Mark hasn't seen Moana yet because of The Rock. Oh, I've seen Moana. No, that's not a Pixar. No, it's a oh, Disney okay. animated. Yeah, it's hard. Well, oh, I thought it was. Yeah. Pixar. Well, they sort of blend together anymore now because most Disney animated movies are also 3D. So, but mm. my other problem with Disney or with Pixar is that they kind of kill 2D animation because of how mm. popular they got, True. which just bums me. And I don't mind the the Disney 3D movies, but I think there's definitely still a place for. 2d animation as well but yeah. mark there's apparently a new slew of mickey mouse shorts that are 2d animation they're like really sort of retro styled so that might be something since you're the 2d animation that's a look. i'll look at it i always like seeing new 2d animation especially as like the computer graphics mm. stuff has gotten better the last couple of years like to do that kind of animation like between like after effects yeah. and flash and like well i'm not flash anymore but like just the way 
the workflow works for like 2D animation in like a digital workspace, it's a lot better than it ever has been. So it has been coming back a little bit and I like seeing it here and there. It is still a little more, it's either like more CG influence, like it's all like looks like the Pixar yeah. stuff just drawn or it has that. Um, it's got a lot more dimensionality uh, to it than 2D animation traditionally. Well, no, or it's like that super flat, like that super flat, uh, like Teen mm-hmm. Titans Go kind of style, like crazy, like anime kind of thing, which I'm not a huge fan of either way. Like that works sometimes for me, but sometimes it doesn't. Like the DC animated movies are around where I'm kind of like happiest for the most part. If they were a little bit nicer animation on those, yeah. I'd be really happy with those. Let's get into some animated stuff that Mark will give a shit about. This is a, a, a comic book series that I feel like is absolutely made for Mark. We had that, was it that Chino song that was written for, what was it? Metal. Dark Knight Metal. Oh, D- yeah. Dark Knight's Metal. And now uh, there's an IDW comic that's a mashup of Star Trek and like G1, like original series Star Trek and G1 Transformers. I'm in. I'm so in. <laughs> so in. So in. I know. I was just piling through Comixology this week. So I, I'll have to go take a look at that when it uh, when it comes out, because that sounds interesting. Yeah, no. Yeah. I think uh, that's for me, too. God. What? So why don't you think about Christi- that for me, too? Christy. Yeah, I know how much you love Transformers. Yeah, that was my yeah. whole joke. Because, uh... Which, well, it's just it, it, it's hard to hear the joke when you sound like a Decepticon because of yeah, you definitely just went Megatron, full Megatron on us there for a yeah, second. So, I think eating your eating is uh, fucking up your bandwidth. My eating is yeah. doing nothing. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. Let's see, is there even any information about like who's doing this? Who besides that it's IDW? No, I can't. This article doesn't even have any information about John Barber and Mike Johnson and artist Philip Murphy. I don't know those people, but Philip Murphy sounds like he's I've, he sounds like a name I've heard in relation to a Transformers at IDW series before. So yeah. that kind of makes sense. There have been a, a range of Star Trek crossovers. There was a Doctor Who one. Uh, there's uh, two Green Lantern Star Trek uh, miniseries as well. Yep. Uh, that I haven't I have, but I haven't gotten to read yet. But I read the uh, Doctor Who one. It was interesting not i'm gonna say it wasn't bad but it was just like you really have to kind of do a lot of mental gymnastics to kind of get those two properties to kind of jive together properly because they are very like disparately style like or disparate styles of sci-fi so Mm. yeah it it was a little it was a little interesting how they kind of pulled it off about as interesting as like the ninja turtles working with batman i guess a couple years ago yeah those ones i still haven't haven't gotten to either just because like i've been trying to prioritize my main continuity dc stuff so a lot of those crossovers have fell down my reading list someday yeah i need like a month off i keep saying that but just had it didn't get that much reading done (laughs) another thing i think mark will be pretty pumped about uh do you hear that invincible is being turned into an amazon animated series i did i saw that this afternoon yeah it came up on the news while i was flitting around i didn't get any super like good details on it but Hopefully they keep it as R-rated as the comic is, and it's a, a pretty direct translation because it would be really cool to see that series kind of moved into anime, like a nice high quality animation. Yeah, like a the series is really good. So yeah, well, it's uh, it's going to be eight hour long episodes, and it got like a straight to series order. Like it wasn't, you know, here do a pilot first. It went, which I guess they probably do a lot with animated series because of all the work that goes into the sort of pre production on animated series. Yeah, it takes a ton of work to put an animated series together. Plus, I think Robert Kirkman's a pretty proven quantity right now. So, like, mm. he's got, I mean, he's got, he's, he has Walking Dead, right? Like, that's about as big a property that has come out that is new in the past, like, 20 years as anything else that's come out. So, yeah. 
that wasn't some garbage reality show. So, and that's uh, no, I'm pretty excited for that. Like, Invincible is an awesome comic that you should both read. Uh, yeah, and that's in addition to the Seth Rogen involved movie that's still in development for Invincible too, yeah. uh, which I think we've talked about before. I wonder if he'll film that in Hamilton. <laughs> oh yeah, because you saw him there. I could see them using uh, Canada for that setting because, like, it's kind of suburban for the most part. Like, Marx lives out in the suburbs, and like, they do go to a city. It's always like extravagantly nondescript. Yeah. So they would probably use they'd probably just use Toronto and Vancouver to do it that way. Yeah. So. Chrissy, have you seen or or been involved at all, or know anybody that's been involved with the Handmaid's Tale stuff? Because I know a lot of that was like Toronto and Hamilton and Guelph. No. no. I'm kind of bummed. I haven't even watched Handmaid's Tale yet. I mean, it's it's one of those shows that if you watch it, it definitely has that like made in Canada production quality, which makes sense. I mean, it's Margaret Atwood and she's obviously really mm-hmm. Canadian author, but uh, it is one of the things that I won't say makes it hard to watch for me, but like having this really like shiny, glossy American or whatever, like HBO kind of production value to compare it to, it does. It's just a little jarring kind of thing. Mm. true anyways let's see what else is there we found out this week too much confusion and some consternation that steve trevor will be returning in the wonder woman 1984 movie wait who was upset about that this this one who was not expecting that yeah exactly that was the thing was i i was i mean yes it cheapens his sacrifice or whatever at the end of the first movie but i was almost positive that he was going to come back but i yeah i was like 100 percent sure like i was like they haven't done anything like that's an easy conflict to write into the next movie so why would they not bring him back especially since i knew they had contracted him for three movies yeah so i was like he's definitely coming back whether he's actually steve trevor and not just like you know martian manhunter or something like that is that would whatever be cool. but that would be an interesting i don't know which i've heard that story pitched about 400 places so yeah. Uh, yeah. How, who's what's Martian Manhunter again? Who He's is he? A Martian that's a shapeshifter, so he can he could potentially yeah. impersonate yeah. anybody. Yeah. Oh right. Yeah. Okay. And since they use him so sparingly on Supergirl, I think they could. And that now that they're allowing characters to just kind of flip back and forth between TV and all that kind of stuff, I don't think it really makes a big difference to anybody if they do have another version of Martian Manhunter. Now that we have two flashes anyway, yeah. so go crazy. True enough. But yeah, I know Christy wasn't uh, particularly. Spears, Spears just tagged me in that Nerdist uh, article about Star Trek versus Transformers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We already got him, Spears. It's okay. <laughs> we already informed him. Informed him. But yeah, I mean, the thing with, with me for that is that, and I said this in a comment on our Facebook, is that it makes sense to me to have him come back because really it's a little hard for me to believe that, like, Diana and Steve Trevor have this, like, crazy endless love kind of relationship just based on the limited interaction that we see them have like the sort of whirlwind wartime romance that we see them have in the first wonder woman movie so it makes sense to me that there's more to their backstory than just what we saw there agreed i just don't make it about something else i i well i yeah i guess but like when people go to a sequel they don't want to see anything different like generally speaking so and Warner's still in that like mindset where like, no, we make these movies like studio movies, right? And like people want to see the same characters come back in the yeah. sequel. So find a way to bring them back. So hopefully Patty Jenkins and her writers have done like their due diligence and done like the right job of figuring out a good solution to bring them back. That's not going to infuriate all of us, but yeah, who fucking knows with the DCU, you know? 
never really know. I have a lot of faith in Patty Jenkins though. I so completely do too. So I just don't have faith in anybody above her in the chain. So Yeah. This one I maybe should have brought up back when we were talking about Disney stuff, but uh, did either of you guys watch the trailer for Tim Burton's live action Dumbo movie? Oh no. no. Is it bad? No, it it I mean it looks interesting. It looks about like what I expected a live action Tim Burton Dumbo movie to look like. It has that like it's not like as dark as some of his movies are but it definitely has that sort of quirky little bit off kilter tone to it I'm a look um including dan including dan devito in a ringleader outfit because that's who he's playing in the movie which i think tim burton already did in big fish and i'm pretty sure Danny DeVito. from what i've been reading yeah he bore he basically did it in fucking batman returns oh he ran around in a fucking like baby mine oh that song gets me i know oh i can't yeah well the 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 trailer is all set to baby mine which is like that really fucking heartbreaking song from dumbo where dumbo's mother is like comforting dumbo from inside the bars of her cage it kills me every time i should like actually watch that trailer as opposed to just shitting on it because i don't (gasps) look at dumbo the animation's great yeah, it is. I mean, it looks pretty good. This might actually be one that I might go out and see because it's more of like a lot of these live action. I, the thing is, I haven't been really big on like the live action like Disney princess movies, um, but I did go see Jungle Book and I had a pretty good time with that. So this one I might actually. John Favreau, see. like always, yeah. always a good Michael filmmaker. Keaton. Yeah, Michael Keaton's got that comeback action going on right now. He's all over the place. Yeah. And, yeah, and Col- Colin Farrell's in it. But yeah. So we'll see. Hmm? Let's see what else was there this week. Showing that Marvel is not immune from leadership shakeups. Jim Chory, who's the co-head of Marvel's television division, just left his position. Yeah, there's been some weird talk floating around about the TV side of things right now, because they're still under that Disney guy that everybody hates supervision, the TV side of things, whereas Feige and like the cinematic stuff has been moved out from underneath that guy's purview and just given to Feige exclusively. So that's yeah. why you don't see crossover stuff back and forth. But hopefully we'll see more and they can yeah. get that all the TV stuff in line with the MCU, like the cinematic side. That trailer was it was all right, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, watching the trailer. <laughs> but yeah, it just sounds like he wasn't real big on the way things were going. And so he was just like, yep, I'm out, guys. Wow. So, sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, which I mean, Marvel's TV side has been hit or miss lately. Like they've had some stuff that's. Runaways was pretty popular and pretty successful. The Gifted was pretty good, but some of the Netflix stuff has Legion's. Had, I, I've seen a lot of talk about. I mean, it's not Gifted is a, a Marvel, yeah, it's, like it's a Fox show, and Legion. so is uh, yeah. so is Legion. But I've heard a lot of good things about Legion, and like what I've seen, I enjoyed. But yeah, the the actual like a lot of people were talking good things, saying good things about Shield this past yeah. year. Yeah, it had some good moments, and I guess we'll get to see more of the Netflix stuff this week because Luke Cage, I think, drops yeah, on Friday. It's coming soon. Yeah, me coming soon. I'm looking. Oh, I'm almost looking always. forward more to just seeing Misty than I am Luke at this point. I'm more looking forward to seeing if they can actually like wrangle a decent performance out of Finn Jones because Iron Fist is going to be in this. They're going to start building the Heroes yeah. for Hire dynamic, which I'm mm-hmm. extremely excited about. If they have all four of those characters, like the Daughters of the Dragon and the two guys working together for a season of Luke Cage, I'm like, I'm in for that. That sounds awesome. If they get the fucking characters, not to make me want to hang myself in the middle of the season, so. Yeah, especially considering there's apparently no plans for a second season of Defenders at this point. No, that was supposed really? to be a mi- no, that was always supposed to be a miniseries. Like that was never intended to be more than one season of that. Yeah. Uh, and plus, I mean, 
Yeah. They can always do a crossover inside their own series or they can do, yeah, yeah. if they really want to, they can always just commission another mini series and do another one. Cause by then they'll have, cause there's still talk. I mean, they've added Punisher as like his own show, which is awesome. And then mm. there's always talk about like, maybe when they move over to their own Disney streaming service. And that's the whole problem now is like they're not going to get any new properties on the Netflix side of things. So when those yeah. end, they all get shunted over as new properties to whatever Disney's thing becomes. So like, yeah. I think the Netflix shows are going to be isolated now in their own little corner until they all kind of end and then move back under Disney's streaming umbrella proper. So yeah, who knows what happens too bad though. Cause like, I like all the actors who are playing them. Hopefully they'll just be able to like, if they want to come back and do more on that Disney platform, they can come back and do more. Cause it'd be a shame, especially to lose somebody like um, the guy who plays Daredevil. Yeah. Charlie Cox, Charlie Cox. Yeah. That's yeah. it. So, so some of those guys are really good or like John Barenthal, like as the Punisher, like finally a good Punisher and we're going to lose it because of whatever. So no, let's do this right. Come on guys. Yeah. Mm. Fair enough. In other Netflix news, I just have two more items since we're talking about Netflix right now. Netflix is resurrecting Lucifer. Uh, so oh, it's going to yeah. Yeah, that. in something that I don't think any of us give a shit about or have watched at all. But uh, I know that there was a lot of fans out there of the show, which is obviously why it got picked up. So, yeah, so it's nice that, that in this day and age that we have, you know, so many different platforms that can say, okay, they're not interested in making any more of this. Maybe we'll do it kind of thing. Yeah, my mom will be very happy. She likes that show. Yeah. Yeah. The only episode I ever watched was with her. So. Oh, yeah. Uh, I saw one just like randomly while I was sitting down there at one point. I was like, oh, it's all right. It's not something I'm going to start watching because I can't even be bothered to watch the CW shows anymore. I've been watching those for like a decade now, it feels like. so. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That that's all the DC TV that I think I need at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And then, uh, well, while we're talking about DC as well, nice little segue. As I shared on our Facebook page this week, DC announced their newest comic book crossover or next comic book crossover, which is going to be just called Heroes in Crisis, and it's going to be written by Tom King. And I've been fucking loving what he's been doing for DC so far. So he's going to write something that looks to be like very like character driven like human driven it's essentially there's it's gonna explore like psychological trauma and the subject of like loss and like what happens when the heroes fail and what they have to go through to deal with sort of ptsd in superhero world kind of thing and i think that sounds really fucking cool and especially it sounds like right up tom king's alley based on the other stuff that he's been doing for dc yeah, I, I've heard enough talk between Tim and a couple other people that I listen to uh, about Tom King's run on Batman that I've started. I'm about 20 issues into. I think he's up to. He's coming up on 50. 50's now, right? the wedding. He's, yeah, the Catwoman. Yeah. Batman wedding, so I'm, which is like I'm just getting into the. He just proposed. Like when I put the, my iPad down, he had just proposed mm -hmm. uh, when I came over here to get set up for the episode. And I've like so I've read 20 ish issues, like spot on good Batman stuff, man. Like that whole having to go down to Santa Prisca and like find Bane and mm -hmm. like get Psycho Pirate and all that kind of shit. Like the, the characters he's pulling in like Psycho Pirate and Hugo Strange. I'm like, this is awesome. Yeah. Like super obscure, weird shit, like coming in like that. I'm like, this is really well done. He's got a good grasp on like how to make Batman work nicely in that big DC, like the wider DCU, yeah. um, which is usually something I don't particularly like in my Batman stories, but he's fucking crushing it. So I'm, I've been really enjoying it. Yeah, and it looks like Psycho Pirate is going to be involved in this miniseries as well because it looks like Superman is holding Psycho Pirate's mask on the cover of the first issue of Heroes in Crisis. Um, and also Booster Gold, who will end up featuring 
around issue 45 or 46 or something like that of that Tom King Batman run uh, is also like yeah, dead center of the cover of this issue as well. And he's one of my favorite characters, uh, especially like favorite sort of like C list kind of characters as well. So, yeah, he's he has my one of my favorite Justice League Unlimited episodes mm-hmm. where like they, they use Booster Gold. That's like one of my favorite episodes of that show. Yeah. So fucking good. Like it's just like perfectly encapsulates what that character is to everybody else in the DC yeah. kind of thing. Because just this like goofy idiot that nobody really like expects yeah. anything from, but can sometimes pull through and like yeah. save the day. So I like that. It was uh, really but that was everything that I had, unless you guys had anything to add. Nope. Uh, you, you mentioned the Invincible thing. That was the only thing I saw today that was of interest to me. So. All right. Well, with that. It wasn't, there wasn't politics mm-hmm. that make me want to kill myself. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, sounds like we might get to that shortly. So, All right. With that, let's move on to our Geek of the Week. Where we discuss the geekiest things each of us has done in the past seven days. In this case, it actually has been seven days because... We record recording on the same day this week we did last week, which is a rare fucking occurrence. Yeah. Especially lately, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It has been very rare. Before we go on, we should uh, shout out Mark for redoing our uh, logo and Woo! Facebook uh, cover image and everything. So, thank you, Mark, for... Oh, all the art's changed everywhere. It's on Twitter. It's on Shout Engine. It's It comes in your feed now. It, it took a second because it freaked me out because when I the episode started downloading and I had replaced everything, it came down with blank and I was like... <laughs> Ah, shit. That's fucking broken. But I got it fixed. All done. Got yeah. it fixed. Everything looks beautiful now. So, Oh, shout out to Kristen. Uh, my friend Kristen De Palma was the one who actually drew the lettering that is on the yeah the, the cover art kind of thing. Um, I just photoshopped all the other shit into it and kind of gave it a little bit of texture and pop. But that was all Kristen stuff. Awesome uh, hand letter. KDP letters, if you want to go commission her to do something. She's Thank you, awesome. Kristen. We Thank appreciate you. it. All right, so yeah, Geek of the Week. Christy, what was the geekiest thing you did this week? I'm continuing my Marvel Cinematic Journey. Oh. No, you know what? That's not the geekiest thing. Though I did watch Thor Dark World today, and I was kind of like, yeah, it wasn't that bad, but it still was not great. Well, it's the worst <laughs> of those movies, yeah. It's yeah, like, yeah. it's damning by fate for the Thor movie. Yeah. yeah, it's not terrible. But so the geekiest thing that Mark and I have done is we've been playing Detroit Become Human together. Which is have you actually been playing it together, or has he been playing and you've been watching? So he's been playing, and he's two episodes ahead of me consistently, and then I play because we play two very different games, and there's actually quite a bit of difference with the decisions that you make. Yeah. So he's playing his way, and I'm sitting and watching him, and then I'll go back almost directly. Like he'll play for an hour and a half a night, and then I'll play, and we. It's interesting to like actually watch the difference is almost in real time. Yeah. I know you can do that with like YouTube videos and whatnot, but it's just been really, it's been really fun to do because it's actually, we play a similar game. So I'll probably watch most of the endings on something like YouTube, but it's, it's just been cool to see the subtleties and how much work they've put into this friggin' game. It's unbelievably good. Yeah. It's definitely a, uh, it's not a pickup right now kind of game. Also I'm broke, so I can't pick up anything right now, but yeah. I can like, it's not like a, I need to run out and grab it kind of thing, like a God of War or Spider-Man, but it is definitely yeah. like a, it, when the first time it goes on sale for like 50 bucks, I am snagging the shit out of it because well, it reviewed really up. well. And then, uh, oh, do they, I hate disc based. I just sold all of oh, my right. discs. I hate discs. I am digital only now. I love them. Done. I, I love can't. them. No, because the problem is I bought Game of War or God of War on disc. So if I want to play it on my PlayStation upstairs, it means I have to be like, oh, I got to go downstairs and grab my disc. And then it's like, well, I got to remember to take it downstairs if I want to play my oh. kid's TV. 
Oh, no. honey. Whereas oh. if I have a digital copy, like I do with every other game that I buy, I just have them downloaded to both PlayStations and I can just hop oh, in my save file and goes automatically. even imagine exactly. having to go First up problems to in one PlayStation and forgetting your disc and having to go back down. Oh, God. The first world problems of having two PlayStation 4s, I understand, oh. is a first world problem. Oh. I'm just saying for me personally, I would prefer to spend that same it's money like, on the digital content so that Mark I don't have to worry I, about it. Mark and I have our two PlayStations, but they're they're next to each other within five yeah. five steps. I had no idea how privileged I was. Oh, I have three floors of stairs to go to to get my, to oh, get my shit. Oh no, those the, the horrors! I just called you the Kristen. The horrors! I don't care. The horrors! I'm so upset for you. What a I was terrible a, world we I was live never in. Never asking you to be upset for me. First. Oh, oh, Mark, no. It's horrible. Tim, would you get this shit under control? You're fucking hosting this nonsense. You're just gonna let her go. It's really what we've come to on 101 yeah, episodes. Is just her just rambling at me now. <laughs> the thing is with these like, like with these like crazy multi-path games, like it just boggles my mind. Like the fucking amount so of good. design so and like story trees and stuff like that that has to go into it. Like, oh my god, that's my dream job is planning that kind of shit out. I would love to I have know. a game to like dev out and write that whole thing. It'd be amazing fun. I would love to be a voice and like have to like actually get to be a part of like seeing the decisions play out. Like yeah. you don't get the the same sort of like cred, of course, but to actually be in the room to do all of the endings, like that'd be yeah. so cool. Yeah, yeah. See, yeah. I'd rather be the person telling that person how to do the endings properly because I'm the one who wrote it or whatever yeah, I would or is directing it. But that's probably not going to happen. So there you go. Unless somebody really likes my Transformers pitch last week, and I somebody wants to do that, <laughs> that would be sweet too. The other thing is that as a completionist, it would fucking drive me oh, yeah, bonkers well. knowing like how many different options there were that I would never get to see unless I play this game 57 times. How many different DC timelines are there now where you'd never get an actual ending, Tim? True. This is your life. It's not like, <laughs> at least I can still read that. Like, it's it's not that the endings, it's not like the endings exist, but I'll just never get to see them unless I play the game 35 times or whatever. You get yeah. the ending you deserve. That's the whole point of the experience. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't like. But no, it's it's been it's been really fun. But it is very geeky that we're like I'm sitting with my partner, playing this game like in a cycle to see who can like get different endings. I don't know. That sounds awesome. It's like romance. It in is 2018, awesome. I guess at this point, right? Like recursive recursive gaming. I think. Yeah, but it's it's very geeky. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. also, I had like a hardcore nightmare about it. I kept waking up and being like, "Oh, oh no! I have only thirty seconds to make a decision." Oh wait. Yeah, no, no, I've been okay. having, I've been having Breath of the Wild nightmares or dreams and nightmares. Do you uh, really? Sure. Yeah. Oh, that makes me feel better. Mark, did you ever do the uh, the DLC stuff? Like in particular, the Trial of the Sword. No, we talked about this at some point. I yeah. beat the game pre DLC and just never went back to it. Uh, between yeah. not really being super fond of like going back to my Wii U and mm. just not being that interested in like what they put forward in the DLC, I was like, I wanted to get to it. It's just I have I'm not like you know guys where I know know what I'm like with gaming where like once I put it down, it kind of goes away in my head. I mm. might go yeah. back to it eventually, but it's hard to say. It's more likely that what'll happen is I will end up replaying Breath of the Wild on Switch now that I have it mm. and grabbing all the DLC and doing it in a big sprawling playthrough at some point down the line, but. I did do like the first two levels of the trial of the sword and I fucking almost threw my controller across the fucking room. Cause I was like, 
why is this i'm just i just wasn't i you wasn't mean, like, into the first two rooms yeah pretty much i was just not in that in the breath of the wild like how to play it mindset so like i was yeah. looking at the puzzles and shit i'm like i don't remember how to like i knew i knew if i had been like just finished the game and then got this stuff i would been like yeah fucking rock the whole thing no problem but i'm sitting there playing it, and i'm like i don't really quite remember how to do everything and like some of the puzzles are weird and I'm like, I don't have the fucking yeah. patience for this right now. So how about fuck it? I'm going to go smoke a joint and play something. If I can <laughs> just kill something that sounds more yeah. like my speed right now. Yeah. Yeah. It was fucking rough. Like it's basically the challenge dungeon of this yeah. game kind of thing. And like, it's the sort of thing where like you go in with nothing, you can only, you just get the stuff that you sort of collect along the way kind of thing. And if you die, you can't save. If you die, you have to go back to the start mm-hmm. and start over again. Yeah. I did fucking make it through. I, I'm fully willing to admit that I did it with a walkthrough just because like I would get through like the first three or four rooms on my own and then just be like, okay, I'm going to be pissed off if I have to go back and do those over again. So now I'm at least going to like look up and know what's coming kind of thing. So I can semi prepare at least for, for how I'm going to get just fucking quite raped on the next fucking level. Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, no, I've heard the same thing from a lot of people who played that, and I'm like, I like I like those challenge maps in Zelda. Once I'm like at the end of the game and I, my skills are like up to par, where I'm gonna be able to go yeah. in there and like actually, first of all, be thinking in that Zelda way of thinking, like that puzzle, like puzzle yeah, solving way of thinking. Like what's yeah. the best way to do this? Kind exactly. Of thing. How and especially in that game, what where should it's I like kill first or whatever? So much. Oh uh, yeah, especially but like in that game where it's like so much resource management. Like it's like you literally got to sit there and be like. Okay, I'm going to plan this attack. What can I use environmentally that will fuck as many people up before I even get close to any of them and all that kind of stuff? Like, Yeah, without having to use any of my arrows. or Yeah, or, like, like, fighting in Breath use, of the Wild yeah. is like a... It's a whole different like level of Zelda-like strategy because like, yeah, you had to be careful before, but like resource management, making sure you had all your stuff. But like in this game, it's like so critical that the challenge maps, I was like, this is going to be like a process like like an RPG-esque process of figuring out what I have and then get through it and that kind of stuff. I was like, no, not yeah. right now. Not mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. But anyways, eventually we'll have our Breath of the Wild episode because I'm getting, I won't say close to finishing, but I'm making steady fucking progress. But Mark, what was your Geek of the Week? Uh, well, I did like a lot of geeky things this week, but I think the the one that I, we should we could talk about, I went and saw my 47th Matthew Good Show this weekend. Jesus. I was right up front and uh everybody recognized me i got the set list oh my god i did see you had a picture of that i wasn't sure if that was because you claimed it or because Uh, i took it before the show started i did i was like right on the stage but like the the drum tech uh who i know was like sitting there and he's like i was looking at it he's like do you want it i'm like yeah absolutely and he handed it to me so i was like i'll take the set list and i got a couple picks from the uh from matt and the bass player because they were tossing stuff out and stuff it was good i had a lot of fun i had never been to kaladin before an interesting drive like that's nice out into the country drive and then yeah i mean like that this weekend was pretty busy all together because we were like um i was prepping all this stuff all this art to get up for episode 100 and editing episode 100 and then paul was like we got to do our new episode so i was like okay now i gotta record another podcast in the <laughs> middle of all this and i want to go see this matthew good show so it's just like a pile of stuff that needed to get done so i was just like in photoshop for what felt like most of thursday and friday like inking and coloring that zelda that i posted and then like making which is sure fucking I had... awesome let's, it let's was. spend yeah, a fucking minute there to say that was so cool part part of it is just like i've never like had something that i semi dreamed up kind of thing like and then somebody was like yeah i'm gonna draw that kind of thing so that was cool to have something that i 
kind of created be realized visually? Co-created. That's how this works, man. You, you, a writer creates the idea, well, and then the I didn't doesn't fucking doesn't. create Zelda. Wow, well, I mean, like, yeah, but you. <laughs> but that version, maybe. Yeah, yeah there's that go. story. That's all that matters. Yeah, no, that, so that was fun, but then it was like, yeah, so they had to go through and you know plaster our new artwork everywhere and all that kind of stuff. So it was like, it was nerdy, just doing lots of little like techie kind of things, and then running out and seeing a a Matthew Good show was. A nice way to kick off summer, like the summer season properly. It was like a nice warm night and sun was out. Matt sounded awesome. And I was in there with a bunch of people who are in the Matthew Good Facebook group kind of thing. And they all recognized me, which was oh, cool. terrifying. So uh, <laughs> I was chatting with people and stuff like that. And then I skipped. They played in Burlington and I thought it was going to be a fucking like, like a, it was that Sound of Music Festival. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was just going to be like a truncated set. Ends up he was closing the day at five o'clock in the afternoon and played a full set. And I was like, God damn it. I mowed the lawn instead of going to that. So. <laughs> yeah, so I'm a little annoyed, but I'll be going again to see him next. Not this Thursday, but the next Thursday in, in St. Catharines. So, yay. For number 48. Number 48. I'm hoping to hit 50 this year because he's got a whole whack of shows coming up. Uh, actually, they'll be in the new year. That's crazy. Uh, he's doing a solo acoustic show in Milton at the Performing Arts Center, which is I could walk there in 15 minutes. I will not because no, but uh, I could if I <laughs> wanted to. So that's going to be pretty fun. And he's playing in your hometown too. He's actually doing a solo acoustic show on Brantford on that same like little mm. jaunt. So. Yeah, I could see there being a lot of Matthew Good fans in Brantford. Yep. Um, a lot of Matthew Good fans kind of everywhere, just like in little pockets. And they'll show up like 200 at a time to see him play. And he's totally fine with that now. So, yeah. And it works nicely because I'll just get right up front and be happy. So, And then people yeah. will bitch at me that why are you standing in the front row, you giant fucking asshole? <laughs> I got here first, I guess, is pretty much the answer that I have to you for that, so fuck off. Because I love Matt more than you yeah, do. Oh, yeah, there is that. There is that, <laughs> goddamn noobs. I've been, I've been doing this since 97, motherfucker. <laughs> so yeah, but yeah, I got, the nod, I got the nod of recognition from most of the band, so I was happy with that. And it, was, it was a fun night, so there you go. All right. So for my part, as I said, I have been playing a shit ton of Breath of the Wild, but after last week, nobody probably wants to hear me talk about Zelda anymore, even though I just did. So I'm going to go with, yeah, I'm going to go with, I burned through Archer Danger Island over the past few days, the whole season now that it's finished airing. Oh shit, is it done? Yeah. Yeah. It was only, it was only like eight episodes. I know what I'm watching tonight then. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was good. It was definitely another season of Archer. Season of Archer. I, yeah, I liked I liked the sort of takes that they had on some of the characters, like especially the uh, the parrot crackers is fucking hilarious. Um, was that with Ray, right? It's playing the yeah. the parrot. No, oh god, no, that's no. fucking. Uh, is it Ray? Fuck, I can't remember anymore. I thought it was Ray. Archer. Okay. I just saw the I just saw the commercials for the season. I was super excited to uh, to get into that, but that's a show I like to binge. And it's a show that I will definitely like, Brian, roll the giantest fucking joint possible to, before I binge it, because yeah. I will giggle like a child watching that shit. No, I think it's Figus. Oh, is it uh, Is it Cyril? Yeah. I thought it was Ray. Yeah. Man, Ray as a pair would be fucking genius. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think Ray does show up. I think he's the one that shows up as the uh, the like German flying ace. Nice. Yeah, but... And then they finished it on the start of the next season, which looks to be like an alien esque, like space adventure kind of thing, which will be the last season of Archer. So they're going like mm. way into the future for it. Is it really? I thought 10 was the last. Is this nine? I thought it was eight. This Danger Island was nine. So oh, okay. yeah, next one is the last season. 
that's oh, I guess they're not waking them up then. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to handle, you know, the whole coma thing. But I mean, honestly, it's not a show that relies really heavily on yeah. continuity and plot. So. No, 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 not at all. <laughs> but I, I would be curious to see like how they would they're going to handle that at all. Like, is he just going to die at the end? I guess. But yeah. oh, I'm going to miss Archer when that show's gone. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so said I burned through all that in the past couple days. So it's been a been a while since I've just really sat down and like binged a whole season of a show in a couple days, kind of thing. So, but yeah, with that, let us move on to our meat of the episode. Other musical meat. Musical meat. <laughs> so as we've sort of alluded to in our favorite album series, each of us definitely has our share of artists that we really enjoy, but for whatever reason, they haven't ended up on our album lists or any of the other sort of episodes where we've really gone in depth talking into or talking about, you know, music and bands or art, you know, singers or whatever that we really enjoy. Um, So it's maybe that they don't tend to put out really consistent albums or we just prefer to listen to their songs as singles, you know, one at a time rather than an album at a time or whatever yeah so this is our chance just to sort of catch all highlight some of our favorite artists that we haven't discussed yet we're not going to do necessarily rankings or anything like that but just go around and each throw out an artist that we really enjoy that we just haven't had a chance to gush over on the podcast yet Mm -hmm. christy you've been quiet for the last little bit so how about we go with you first what is one of your favorite artists that we haven't talked about yet well I haven't talked a ton about, and I'm surprised I haven't brought him up yet, but Elton John. He was on my long list. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Goodbye, Yellow Brick Road. Mm-hmm. Like, solid album. But I don't know. I just, for me, Elton John, because I grew up, like, hearing his music through Disney first, like the Disney lens. Through, like, Lion King and stuff like that. Yeah, through Lion King and then not Disney, but Road to El Dorado and, like, because that was a solid soundtrack. And just, like, various other projects that he worked on. And, like, I'd always, obviously, I'd heard, like, Benny and the Jets and Tiny Dancer and all of his, all of his classic stuff. Mm-hmm. So once you guys said I wasn't allowed to use greatest hit albums, Elton John had to move down my list because <laughs> I love his music. But, yeah, like, his, his albums, like, I've always just, I've always been a greatest hits girl with him. Mm-hmm. So I've, I only recently did I really push myself to like listen to Goodbye Yellow Brick Road in full. And it wasn't like pushing myself to listen through. It was like just to sit down and actually listen. Yeah. And see how how everything sort of arranges in sequence yeah. rather than just knowing like, hey, all these are great songs, but do they fit together? Yeah. Thing. Granted, I've only started doing that because of you guys. Like I actually have been trying to sit down and listen to full albums. God, we're having a positive that. influence on you finally. <laughs> That's amazing. Hey, I have positive influence on you all the time. Two years later, we're all starting to rub off on each other, and not in the gross uh, way. Right. Although, phrasing, uh, you know, joke. yeah, bring it back, phrasing. <laughs> but yeah, so he is definitely one of my favorite artists. I think that he's brilliant. I know that you guys were expecting me to say Celine Dion. I know that's who uh, you were expecting. No, I'm expecting her to. Yeah, I don't. I have no idea when I was. Come on, you got to admit her Deadpool song was fun. Given your artists, li- your album list, I think at this point it's just a total fucking crapshoot what you're going to throw at us. So, I, I, think we've, I think we've given up on predicting at this point. But yeah, no, I just Elton John though, like it's that he's he's so 
multidisciplinary almost in his like in what he can his music is used for. So yeah. he's been used like everywhere. Yeah. Constantly all the time and his covers and everything like he was his his covers have been used of his music in movies and games and all kinds of shit and the fact that he not only composes like I won't lie I was pretty disappointed by his performance in The Kingsman 2. I was like Elton. No. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was kind of gratuitous. It was hard to watch. <laughs> but he was also this like icon of the 80s where like he he came out as gay, he was very open about his sexuality, his fashion statements, and the fact that like he used his music to bring such positivity to the queer community. Yeah, absolutely. So, I don't know, I admire him as an artist as well, to the fact that he also writes and produces his own songs. He like I like that he has writing partners for a lot of his bigger hits, but he writes just such beautiful, warm, emotionally soothing music. Because you don't really hear Elton John, like, heartbreak, you know? Like, some of his lyrics are heartbreaking, like, Candle in the Wind, it's just like, oh, but... Most of the time, his music is meant to deliver positive messages, and you listen to Elton John to feel good. Yeah. Some of his 70s output might argue that point. Yeah, but, but that was early Elton, right? Yeah, man. That was the good stuff, though. Yeah, That's it was, was good. Yeah. But yeah, I really enjoy the breadth of his musical work, too. And I remember like hearing Circle of Life for the first time. Even though it was a Disney movie, his it moved so beyond it being an animated picture soundtrack, it was quality music. And it was one of Disney's first like albums that stood beyond its animations. It was just good music. It's funny hearing yeah. uh, like the way you got into Elton John being because of Disney. I think that's a pretty common story these days because like my mom being such a big fan of like 70s rock is a fucking massive Elton John fan. So it was on in the house all the time, like, or at least occasionally. My knowledge of Elton John comes straight from like that album kind of way of looking at things. Like mom would put a CD on it was Elton John or whatever, or like mm -hmm. whatever 107.9 or whatever is doing like fucking psychedelic yeah. Sundays and playing like these long stretches of albums and putting a, a whole side of an Elton John album on while they walk off and smoke a joint probably because they're fucking old hippies that run <laughs> yeah. that radio station. But yeah, so like it's 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 interesting that like he's managed to have like a uh he's using Disney or like using that kind of like animated like doing the soundtrack work has allowed him to just like cultivate a new fan base of people because there's no fucking possible way that like even Tim or I would really have any exposure to Elton John past like our parents exposing it to us and then like maybe almost famous or something like that. And then even more removed 10 years later when you kind of come up. Tommy for me. Mm, Tommy. Oh, right. That's right. Tommy. Yeah, true. That's true, too. Yeah. yeah. But then, like, even 10 years later, like, with Christy, like, how would you have heard of him if it wasn't for Lion King or whatever? Like, well, my just... parents, my parents yeah. were fans of Elton John. Okay. And my dad was a, the only reason I heard it was the Lion King first is that that's my first memory of really feeling mm -hmm. impacted by that music. Fair and. Enough. Yeah. And really identifying, like, hey, this is, like. Some of mine down the line are going to be like, hey, I've heard all these songs, but now I'm finally starting to identify like who's behind yes. them kind of thing and starting to put it all together that like, hey, these are all the same yeah. person and I can. It's kind of yeah. like the first time I heard Rufus Wainwright in Shrek. And, you know, now I don't associate him with Shrek. I associate him with his Being version of Hallelujah. 
Uh, the uh, the mediocre version of Hallelujah, yes. But that was my first experience <laughs> with Hallelujah, and I still like Rufus's voice. You have to admit, it's outstanding. I sorry, I, we actually we're, yeah. we're just doing Jeff Buckley's uh, Grace album for Side A Side B this week, so we were just <laughs> so talking can't. about Hallelujah. <laughs> so like right. any other version yeah. of Hallelujah to me, because that's kind of like the first one I think of, and I, yeah. I still think it's the best one. I oh. hear any other one, and I'm like, no. You're just doing a mediocre or shit version of a song that Jeff Buckley fucking owns now. It's like going back and trying to cover Hurt now or like Trent playing Hurt now after Johnny Cash did. It's like, no, it's over, dude. Just like it's not it's his song now. So just yeah, Cash. Cash just owns yeah. that. Like, I, I have a problem with anybody else doing Hallelujah, even though it is a super like popular, super commonly covered song. And when I hear it and it's not the Jeff Buckley version, I'm like, meh, whatever. But- it's there, I guess. I mean, that's the, the Wayne White, actually, the Rufus one is a lot better than like the Ryan Adams one that came out a couple years ago. Oh, I haven't heard that one. Ugh. But no, I mean, but I mean, to me, it's it's just to equate to that kind of yeah. the moment you kind of woke up to an artist being an artist versus just yeah. being a voice. Yeah. In the background of a, a movie or of a, of a like a radio play, station yeah. playing. And so with Elton John, like my parents had always played Elton John, but it was always kind of background and then i heard his version of circle of life and can you feel the love tonight suddenly started hearing elton john when he was on the radio and started hearing like recognizing the good old stuff yeah like um, Saturday night's all right for fighting kids <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah, fucking um, awesome songs yeah and like things like oh i don't know just like um your song Rock. Mm-hmm. oh yeah 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 and candle in the wind and like all the stuff I've already mentioned. Rocket Man, like just so oh, many Rocket Man. Oh, you know, like, oh, I thought you didn't like that for a second. Absolute fucking favorite no, Elton John that. song. That's a Californication thing though, too. Yeah. Absolutely. All the covers that they did they used of that song in there. But no, the Elton John is like just far and away like the greatest goddamn thing I'd heard for the longest time. Like there was a there was about a year long period where like I think I just because I just started watching Californication, I looked up who did yeah. the original Rocket Man? Blah blah blah. It's Elton John. So I bought the album and whatever. I think I listened to that fucking song on repeat for like oh. three weeks. Like that was it. I, yeah. That's all I listened. To. I was suicidal by the end of it, but like. Well, <laughs> I like. I remember good the first, song. Yeah, solid song. And it's like I remember the first time I heard "Funeral for a Friend" in its whole rendition, like with "Love Lies Bleeding," and I remember like I, I had to be just a couple of years ago. Because I've always loved him, but I've never really searched him out until I had access to something like Spotify. Because mm-hmm. my dad always had I've albums. Spotify. What? So I just love Spotify for that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's been great. Like my dad always had albums and like vinyl, and sometimes I'd put on the Elton John vinyl, but I never really learned how to use a record player soon enough. You know, like I by the time I really learned how to use one confidently, I had a year left at school in the house and we were leaving so i still feel like i don't know how to use my turntable properly ever anyway like i always feel like i do something out of order whenever i I use it so i get nervous but yeah so yeah i guess for me like he just he's has a a voice and a talent that just speaks to anyone at any age for at any point in their life they'll find something to connect with through elton john like through his lyrics and something will touch them about him Mm mm-hmm not to mention, he's just a fucking legendary performer. Oh, on top yeah, of that. I would like, just, love just to an see amazing, him live. Outstanding showman. I would love to see yeah. him live. He literally just played my hometown, like not too long ago. He played in St. Catharines. Like, remember? The- would you guys know he spends a lot of time in Port Dover? Yeah. Really? 
Yeah, he owns a home. He's got, uh, I don't know if it's Port Dover or Turkey Point, but yeah. somewhere like out in that peninsula, he's got a huge house that he spends a lot of time. Yeah, he's got a, it's not, well, well a house is more like a fucking yeah. compound fortress. It's I'm a to huge to fucking Yeah, because I think, I think his husband yeah. is from there, from that area. Uh, he yeah. is Canadian. Yes, his so husband. He's, he's from the southern Ontario yeah. area, but I'm not yeah. sure exactly. Yeah, so I'm just not sure exactly where he is. It probably is there. That would yeah. make sense. A nice spot, from what I understand, because you can't get within like a country mile without getting fucking shot or something. <laughs> yeah, it's not like Muskoka, where like yeah. it's you know suburbia yeah, exactly. for cottage. But no, like I would. He's one of those people that I would love to see live, like because it would just be outstanding, and it would be his greatest hits, and it would be just like an experience. I know forever he had like a, a long running Vegas show, but I don't know if he still does or not. No, he he actually toured this past year because, like I said, he played in St. Catharines, which was really he played weird. in Hamilton, yeah. and I just I missed it because it was like tickets were fucking expensive. Yeah, we tried to get tickets for mom and dad because mom's a huge fan, so they, I wanted we wanted to get them to go. And like when we mm. went to look at tickets, it was like five hundred bucks per ticket, and I was like, yeah, I, was madness. I'm like, I won't. I paid six hundred bucks for a pair of tickets to see Guns and Roses, which was like my fucking holy grail of bands. And even that, I was like, that's pretty fucking steep just to see Axel and Slash. So I was like a thousand dollars to go see elton john like or actually more like a thousand dollars for my parents to see mom and to see elton john sorry mom i was like because mm, no. you want to enjoy it you don't want to be thinking the whole time like i can't believe i paid this much money for this fucking show yeah i have a hard enough time with like tickets and stuff now because like two hundred dollars per ticket unless it's like a smaller canadian show and even like these solo matthew good shows we were talking about are like 110 bucks per ticket or something like that in some of these little theaters because they're in the tiniest like possible every, room. It's like, you Jesus. spend like a grand on a ticket. You're like, every 15 or every minute of this is costing me like 20 bucks or something like yeah. that. I, for like, for $1,000 for tickets, I'm like, I want to make the fucking <laughs> set. Like, that's how, like, I want to be laying on Elton John's piano. Yeah. Yes. While I tell him what songs to sing. <laughs> with, exactly. a, with a boa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Just hanging yeah. out, getting fed. Like, I don't <laughs> Uh, yeah. Yes. Thank you, sir. Elton. But apparently, his uh, his this tour that he's starting later this year is like going to be his farewell tour. But it's going to be like three years long or something like that. So yeah, yeah. He said he was retiring. He's not well. I think he's got some kind of thing going on, like a heart condition. Or I wouldn't like be surprised that. if he was diabetic because of all the smoking and like the drinking and all of the. Well, he did a fuck ton of drugs in the seventies yeah. too, so he's probably got some like massive like liver and spleen and shit damage kind of stuff. So just as a side note, he's also one of the only artists that I know personally. His voice has been made richer because of smoking. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Anybody else I know who smokes who sings is usually like it degrades their voice really badly. Didn't do that for him. I'm looking at you, Eddie. Better, <laughs> god damn it. So yeah, but yeah, so Bono or Bono or whoever. Yeah, Elton John. That's awesome, though. Elton John's a good pull. I yeah, like absolutely. Elton John a lot. So. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to jump in and go next, then, just to continue the English sort of pop rock god trend. And I'm going to finally pull David Bowie, who we've definitely mentioned on the podcast oh, before, yeah. but never like really yes. got on his dick kind of thing. And I feel like we really need to. Mm. That's a way of saying it. I honestly... No, because it's David Bowie. You are totally allowed to say shit like that because it's David Cause Bowie. Because if he said... He wants you. Did you say yes? Because, <laughs> because it's David, David Bowie. Bowie. It's not gay. It's not it's gay not if weird. it's Bowie. It's just because it's Bowie. <laughs> like there's a Bowie sexual yeah. thing. I'm sure there's like a a law somewhere where like if it's Bowie, it's fine. I wasn't. I'm. I get why other people found him attractive. I was just never in that. That I never yeah. grew up with yeah. him though. I didn't grow up. It's with not so Bowie. much that it's like he's attractive. It's just that he is a fucking like he was a god walking yeah. on the he's planet. He's just otherworldly. Yeah, and, and I mean, for me, like 
Bowie was almost the impetus for this whole episode. Cause I know that we've mentioned him before and I even if it was him. offline. Yeah. And, and said like, you know, we, when are we going to get to talk about Bowie kind of thing, but he just never ended up on any of our album list. And it's because like, I love so many of his songs, but he's, there's not one Bowie album that really just resonates with me overall kind of thing. Like yeah. they've all got spotty sections. Like there, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I fucking, I love Ziggy Stardust, but it does, it still has, too many tracks that are just kind of meh for me i will say like his classic albums definitely fall into that trap his later records i find are more listenable the whole way through like if you get into the later stuff like earthling that was produced by trent reznor or um yeah. outside actually I do love which it, is huh? my favorite bowie album it's super dark um it's him and the tin machines i think is amazingly good the whole way through and then the the, the pair like the, the last pair oh sorry not the last what? pair because there was two but actually that Fine. one's an excellent album but I was thinking about Heathen and Reality are two yeah. just spectacularly good like rock albums from a just like legend at that point. Like he was mm. like at the top of his fucking game and just able to produce just like right. hit after hit after hit after like every song on those records is solid, solid, solid. So I'm on both of those tours, amazing live show, like one of the best live shows I've ever seen in my life for a dude yeah, who's Christy I... size, like height wise, <laughs> like just the tiniest, tiniest little man you've ever seen in your <laughs> life. The most magnetic stage presence I've ever been fucking party to in my entire life. And I've seen everybody. So it was crazy watching him perform. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. He was so, he was just so prolific. I did get to see him perform live. I want to say it was, I think it was on the reality tour. It would have been like early, early 2000s. Uh, So it would have been, no, I think it might have even been hours when he was touring hours. Okay. I saw him in Toronto. I think at Maple Leaf Garden. Yep. Yeah, I remember that show uh, coming around. I wasn't at that my, one. With I saw, my then girlfriend. Yeah, I saw Heathen for sure. And then he played Area 2 with Moby and then played before Moby. And then the entire amphitheater left because people were like, well, I just saw Bowie. Gives a fuck about Moby. And then just walked away. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So I, I, did, I was with them. I'm like, yeah, fuck this. I'm out of here too. Yeah. And I think part of it, the reason is why, like, I've never found, like, a Bowie album that's, like, been, like, oh, my God, this is an amazing album kind of thing is just he was fucking prolific. Like, he literally put an album out every year in between 1970 and 1980. Mm-hmm. And he took a lot of fucking chances on yes. those albums. And they did not ever, ever, they did not always work. But when they fucking did, like, when he experimented and it did work, that was what fucking made Bowie great. Fun bit of trivia that uh, we talked about on the other podcast, but not on this one. His drummer for the, I believe it was the like Let's Dance album, was the same drummer that played on Tim's one of Tim's favorite albums, the uh, uh, Random Access Memories by Daft Punk. So they, okay, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, and that's the thing. And and this is going to be a couple of my artists I'm going to talk to tonight. Uh, definitely benefited a lot from attracting like amazing talent in terms of session musicians and that sort of thing around them. But yeah. like they were the driving force behind everything, like the creative force behind it all. Well, cause Bowie had a producer, like a producer that he worked with exclusively, whose name is escaping right now. And I should really actually look it up. Cause he was very like key to Bowie's entire career. That he, produced I do every, he produced everything he ever recorded. I'm trying to remember. Mm-hmm. Hold on. Tony Visconti. Yeah, so it's a little bit later when he hooks up with Tony Visconti, but he like produced a ton of his records and like was very key in his like latter day kind of resurgence, like from kind okay. of like when he got big again, like around Black Tie White Noise and like things started getting a little bit more like nineties and alternative in David Bowie world. Um, that was mm-hmm. kind of where that came up. And then like eventually he I think he was also responsible for hooking him up with uh Trent Reznor in ninety seven to produce that uh Earthling okay. album and then do that co tour, which was 
mind-boggling if you catch if you can catch some video of them doing the stage setup where like Nine Inch Nails is playing and then like parts of them leave and part of Bowie's band come on and then by the like halfway point like Bowie and Trent are on stage at the same time performing Reptile together and it's like this is too much awesome for one fucking stage. <laughs> like, Trent just leaves because like you can't really be on stage for too long without with Bowie without getting burnt out from the like fucking whatever like magnetism that he was on stage kind of thing so you just walk yeah. away and then Bowie would do a whole set and then they'd come back out and do some collab stuff at the end like in the encore it was it was a crazy tour so Bowie yeah. did cool shit his entire life yeah um, absolutely Paul like our family's a big fan and we went and saw that um sorry I don't mean to interrupt but like we went and saw that uh that museum thing that this is Bowie for oh. our birthdays a couple years ago before Paul left for Korea mom took all five of us up to the museum to see that thing I still got the book here it was that was how I figured out that he was really that short because like all his costumes like the original Ziggy Stardust costumes were there on these tiny little mannequins look like all like he bought them from like gap kids or something almost is he like yeah he was like prince size he's a tiny little man but <laughs> it was yeah he's awesome so but Sorry. you never guess it like just his his presence you would imagine that he was like some like six foot like lanky god kind of oh. thing or whatever but yeah i mean bowie fucking just advanced music forward so much and for me i can't remember a time in my life that did not involve bowie and it's not that i don't think he was an artist my parents really listened to but he was just everywhere. Like mm-hmm. his music was. was on the fucking radio. It was playing in stores. It was in movies. It was shit like that. The Man Who Sold the World was one of the very first songs I ever learned to play on guitar when I was like 13. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. He was like omnipresent for like, especially through the 90s, like as, especially on alternative radio in the 90s as like um, Outside and Earthling and Hours came out. Like he was like late night edge fodder for that entire decade because He's yeah. doing weird, trippy shit all the time. And like the late night guys were always like, yeah, I gotta throw some Bowie on just because he's doing new weird stuff. And that's what we do at two o'clock in the morning on CFNY kind of thing. So here you yeah. go. I think like my like El- Christy had like her Elton John like realization moment for me. That was probably Labyrinth because I watched Labyrinth a million times when I was a kid. It was one of those. I mean, I think we had it, but I think it was also one of those movies that was like always on like Sunday afternoon TV kind of thing. Yeah. And so just seeing him as Jareth and just his fucking presence and that and the presence bowl. of his package yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the in those uh <laughs> gold lame tights <laughs> was uh <laughs> really oh, you oh my god you would love it I, uh, it yeah. might be creepy for you those With puppy your, things are terrifying. it's creepy as fuck I found some yeah. I've, that's actually one reason I never saw all of it was I was very disturbed yeah there's there was definitely some stuff in there I had nightmares of as a kid I will say though, Magic Dance may be the catchiest song he ever put Dance, out. Magic like, Dance. It is like, oh, yeah. the craziest yeah. pop song ever. Like it gets stuck in my head for like weeks if I hear it. It's nuts. And definitely a partial impetus for the name of our podcast as well. Oh yeah, totally. Uh, it was yeah, it was part of the uh, <laughs> I remember that discussion. It's like, yeah, it's almost like Bowie. And yeah, yeah. He went there. <laughs> but yeah, I just absolutely fucking love Bowie's music. So many iconic pop rock classics that he's responsible for. I mean, they number in the dozens. Some of my personal favorites. Go ahead, Mark. His albums, like his gr- great album, like his albums you can name number in the dozens. The songs, <laughs> like, this is true. It's craziness. So yeah, my personal favorites. I mean, I've got a long personal history with Ziggy Stardust, just the song. Because that was the song that uh, in my band in high school, we would close every show with. Oh. Just do like that really long, drawn out, like Ziggy play guitar. And everybody would just go fucking crazy on drums and guitar and whatever. And we were we were always, I'm Afraid of Americans was very popular with us. We were a, I love, heavier, yeah. we were a heavier band, obviously. So we got into that like 
industrial side of shit. But I was like, yeah, if we're going to do a Bowie cover where we are, especially where we were situated in kind of a border town, it was always fun to, you know, have some American in the in the back who was visiting hooting at us because why are you singing <laughs> that song? I'm like, because it's David goddamn Bowie. Shut up, American. You're in Canada. Now. Yeah. No, I do love I. Yeah, I I love there's a few songs off Earthling that I really enjoy, but most most of my favorite Bowie songs are like his just classic stuff like mm. fuck, like I Life on Mars and 5 Years are just fucking both gorgeous gorgeous songs. Mm. Yeah, Life on Mars is a awesome song. Yeah, Heroes, Starman, Queen Bitch, like fuck. I I mean, I could go on all fucking night just naming Bowie songs. Just those those three uh the three Berlin albums that he did with like Iggy Pop and uh Mm-hmm. whatever like low heroes and i think it's lodger the three of them like those yeah. albums he, like, he yeah so he took risks like no other artist oh, yeah. did he would yeah. throw it all away if, and but like you could tell he would do it because he was bored of mastering one el- like one style and that's kind of like what it was like he would nail it like almost immediately and then just be like well i'm gonna move on to the next thing now because like i've already done like i made i made a giant dance hit so i'm gonna go do like some weird alternative let's shit. And then, like, yes yeah. yeah. So. Well, not just that. Like, he would not only move on to a different style of music, but invent a whole different fucking persona. Yeah. Like, that's what one of the things that always amazed me of Bowie, just how seamlessly and how effortlessly he could just come up with some brand new, completely fucking captivating persona, like from Ziggy Stardust, like the rat, the rock and roll alien kind of thing, to Aladdin Sane, and then the Thin White Duke, and then the fucking Goblin King, like. All of those were Bowie, but they were like night and day distinct as well. Yeah, he was a uh, like a chameleon. Like it was it's it's almost like we should do a whole episode about him. I wouldn't know enough. Point. I could. Well, we could uh, <laughs> maybe when we do when Christie's away again, we'll get Paul on and we'll do a uh, side B, side A side B crossover kind of thing and do sure. a Bowie episode where we can just just fucking ramble about Bowie for two hours. Absolutely. Actually, maybe we'll just do that on the other podcast. I'll talk to Paul. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like good content for us, really. Yeah, I loved how Bowie could just like he was almost like playing with like percept like his public perception and his public image. Like he would, you know, be like fucking with the media, like daring them to try and define him, and then he would just code switch on a fucking dime. He was uh, like, first of all, like a master media manipulator, which was mm-hmm. impressive. But he also practiced like a lot of weird witchcrafty stuff too. I read a, a book a couple years ago uh, called Season of the Witch. It was like how rock and roll saved the occult or how the occult saved rock and roll or something like that. And like huge portions of it were just about Bowie's weird, superstitious fucking coke fueled <laughs> insanity in the 70s and stuff like that. And how like... Yeah, I can see that. But how his entire thing was like, yeah, was just like him. And that's all magic is at that point was just like, you're enacting your will like or whatever it's supposed to be like that's mm-hmm. how chaos magic's supposed to work and that's just what he did he believed everything he put in and that was the end of it yeah no absolutely and and i mean that sort of there's always that sort of little touch of insanity to creativity kind of thing as yeah. well so so yeah that was my first one is is just fucking bowie i absolutely love bowie and we'll always love bowie and i i miss him apparently both of us do buddy yeah <laughs> uh yeah absolutely and it was weird like uh i think i might have mentioned this podcast before but i was over in the uk in northern ireland uh training for my job because my company's headquartered in the uk when he died so and he died like late night sort of early morning kind of thing so i Mm -hmm. knew or at least it was that's when the news came out so i knew about it like a good four or five hours before any like while everybody in the u.s was still or in north america was like still we were all still asleep 
Yeah. You were the first post I saw about it, I think, in the morning because I got I was getting up. I was at uh, I was in Kitchener at the time. And when I woke up, like I was working in Kitchener, I should say. So I was getting up super early mm-hmm. and I always check my Facebook feed in the morning while I'm having my tea. And I was like, yeah. oh, shit, look at what Tim posted. Like, yeah. that's got to be that's not right. Right. Like that. He can't die. Like yeah. Bowie was possible? immortal. Yeah. Yeah. I'm convinced him and Prince just went home. Like that's pretty <laughs> much what happened with those yeah. guys. They were just like, no, you know what? They're gonna vote that fucking orange turd bag into the fucking White House. Let's just go. Like we can leave, right? So let's just they go. just joined Tupac. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't think I don't think Tupac's hanging out with fucking Prince and uh, and Bowie. You don't Although know I Tupac. Will, I, don't, <laughs> I actually am a fan of Tupac. Thank you very much. I have all his albums. Well, well then you his, should know that he's a friend to all. And and still not, alive. Not really, actually. <laughs> no, he is probably not. still alive. Um, actually the the first time i heard and saw his video that he released for his black star album i knew he was dying like instantaneously i was like oh bowie's sick he's got cancer he's dying like i don't know what it was i I just knew i was like he's he's gonna be dead within a year it had been rumored for a while yeah it had been rumored it was also uh when he was putting on the show like the uh the lazarus show that he was putting on like in like kind of leading up to Black Star getting released, mm-hmm. uh, there was a lot of reports coming out of like from the actors and the crew and stuff like that. Like he was doing super minimal hours. He's gaunt. His hair is falling out. This, that, and the other thing. And I was like, "Oh shit, we're gonna lose Bowie." Everybody, brace yourselves. Well, it was the kind of thing like what a it was a very Bowie way to say goodbye. Keep it very quiet. Keep it very to yourself. But like, still create. And have an album in the fucking can. Have an album in the can that is your goodbye <laughs> to the world, where he wasn't anyone else. He was just modern Bowie, a man in a really like beautiful suit who was just classy as fuck, saying goodbye. Yeah, and putting and like going out like with one of the best albums that came out that fucking year too. Like even if he hadn't yeah. died, that album was fucking amazing for. Like a guy in his seventies still putting out music that fucking relevant and like it was nuts. Vital and stuff. Nuts. Oh my god, it was such a good CD. Um, yeah, the vinyl. That death. Yeah, that death. Like out of like that was that year where everybody was like, "Fuck this year," kind of thing. Like we lost so many awesome yeah. people, and that was the one that affected me. Like, oh, I think of any of like the big celebrity deaths over the past like four or five years. That was the one that really affected me the most. Yeah. Mine was Alan Rickman. Mm. Uh, I, I'm still torn up about Gordon Chris Cornell, so yeah, that really like hurt me the most. Yeah. So still to this day, occasionally comes up. No, nope. I feel like this yeah. is another episode. Like who hit you the hardest? Dead, yeah, dead, yeah. yeah. dead celebrities. Dead celebrities who hit you. Uh, all right, <laughs> before we get into that, uh, let's go to Mark for one of his favorite artists we haven't talked about yet. So my first one, I'm I'm kind of pulling an audible here, but uh, since we're all going with classic rock, like guys, I figured I haven't talked. I've never really talked about Neil Young. And Neil Young is one of those guys, like, my mom listened to him while I was growing up. He's influenced every band that I like at this point. His Mm -hmm. albums are, like, especially those early, like, folky into, like, transitioning into the rock stuff. Like, when he joined Crazy Horse, or, like, when he recruited Crazy Horse. Formed Crazy Horse. Yeah, formed Crazy Horse, like, started doing that kind of stuff. All those albums are amazing. All that stuff. I've listened to all of his stuff. I'm very kind of, I'm that guy who will go and, like, listen to an entire discography, even if it does have an album, like, Trans in the middle of it that is weird 80s techno coming from neil young like he did he we want to talk about people who have taken chances neil young has never done the same album twice it is always that's true like the most bizarre thing of all time and he gets on his horse about like the weirdest shit like lossless quality music or toy train accuracy like he gets really oh weird. yeah the was it pono that was yeah, his thing pono wasn't was it him. yeah absolutely you know 
flack uh like triangular fucking mp3 was, player well no no not mp3 player tim he would fucking hate you for saying oh, sorry flack 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 player. player it had to be lossless because otherwise this super only shitty, fit two albums on it yeah the super shitty fidelity that all his albums will be re- were recorded in in the 70s is not going to translate <laughs> exactly. properly like i have all his <laughs> cds they are not recorded very well <laughs> like they can use no. a remastering like crazy but they're just so like I don't know. He's just influenced everybody that I like. I mean, he's the reason why Pearl Jam lasted past 1995. Because, like, the whole story there was, like, Eddie was touring. They were doing a huge tour that they had organized themselves to avoid going through Ticketmaster. And Ed was, like, driving a bus on it, like, driving in a van on his own, like, separate from the band. And the whole thing was falling apart. And Neil Young showed up and was just like, now, you know what, Ed, you go do your thing. You guys come over here and I'm going to record an album with you. Like, the backing band of Pearl Jam? Like, the the band? recorded a bit like was neil young's band for an album and then toured with him and that kind of like it got him in enough that he could get eddie's fucking head back into the right space and then pearl jam got to continue to be pearl jam based solely on the fact that uncle neil and that's what they call him now that's what we all call him in the pearl jam fan base is uncle neil (laughs) uncle neil got involved and helped ed out and got everything else but like not even talking about how he influenced like my favorite band of all time his albums like russ never sleeps even new stuff like Greendale or like the Deja Vu thing he did with CSNY like in 2008, all really good. Have you ever seen Dead Man? It's a Johnny Depp movie, like a black and white thing. Yeah. He did the entire score, like the guitar score for it. He played the entire thing. It's just the weirdest stuff, like just whatever he feels like doing at the time. Like my sister and mom saw him like last year at Massey Hall because he just decided he wanted to do an acoustic tour. So he was like, fuck it, I'm going to put on a bunch of acoustic shows and charge five thousand dollars per ticket per ticket or whatever but you sold people will buy it yeah because i'm amazing new fucking young right so uh, i saw him play with crazy horse at one point and like when they did a reunion like in the early 2000s or something like that it was fucking crazy good just like even for somebody who was in his 60s at the time like the craziest energy on stage he's walked out in the middle of pearl jam shows that i've been at and started playing rock in the free world with them and you'd honestly think he was part of the band he's like just stomping around as heavily as anybody else out there awesome awesome musician but yeah it's one of those people that like mom always had playing growing up we had like greatest hits mm-hmm. around i had copies of mirrorball because pearl jam was on it like that talking about fucking prolific too oh, he's put out like puts out an album a year 30 40 albums or something like that in some cases he puts out fucking two yeah, albums a yeah year. he's pretty much got an album for every year he's been an active musician he's almost like it's that's... a crazy amount of music and like maybe 75 percent of it's not bad <laughs> so well, that's not even to mention like the Buffalo Springfield stuff and the CSNY stuff on top of that yeah, too. Yeah. And Jesus, yeah, he does guest spots on stuff here and there. Like it's it's crazy how like prolific he was, and like just like stuff that you would like not even think about, like like a song like Harvest Moon, which is just like the prettiest loves. My grandparents like love Harvest Moon. Like it's he's such like <laughs> a multi generational kind of guy that like there's like that that would be three generations of my family all have like a neil young like thing like we all like neil young kind of thing like grandpa and grandma yeah. like, on their wedding anniversary dance to harvest moon and i remember that very oh. and then like mom loves them so like that's always the kind of thing that would play and like i went and saw him and it's just one of those guys that's like he's the everyman musician yeah exactly and he's also like he's a canadian fucking Especially like canadian legend. Everyman. yeah yeah and he's somebody who's accessible to everybody he's never like some of his stuff's pretty fucking heavy like that like the crazy horse stuff is more my speed than it is probably like a folk rocky kind of guy's speed but he vacillates between those two extremes like with the greatest of ease like and he's such a good 
insane guitar player like his like nobody can replicate that style the way he plays like electric guitar is just like the sloppiest awesomest possible way to play electric guitar so yeah neil young's very high on my list of people that i will go back to repeatedly that i may not have like an album that i am specifically in love with but how can you go yeah. wrong? So many good songs. Yeah, like yeah, and undeniable influence. Yeah, and it's always funny seeing like a greatest hits album of his, where you're like, yeah, that's about half the songs that like should probably be on one of these greatest hits albums, <laughs> really, because it's like the really big ones, like it's the Rockin' in the Free Worlds and like the Needles and the Damage Dones, but there's still like three songs from each of those albums that probably deserves to be in there that were big radio singles or that kind of thing. And man, I just I love yeah. this stuff. So. I just wish it was on Spotify or easier to access because he really hates streaming and stuff like that. So <laughs> I have to rip all my rip all those CDs and put them into my my yeah. uh, my system, which really annoying. One more days. reason why I'm hesitant to pull the trigger on anything streaming. Yeah, but it's always nice to have access to most stuff at your fingertips, even if like a big one like Neil Young is kind of absent or Prince had been for a long time too. So. Mm. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. If you guys, are either you guys Neil Young not like fans no honestly yeah i mean oh christy you're missing it i'm probably mostly a greatest hits kind of yeah. guy with him like shit like my my hey hey and hey hey my my yeah. and uh fucking like rocking the free world and how can you not like old man and southern man yeah good times old man and i've got a real soft spot for uh for cortez the killer cortez the killer is awesome down by the river is another one i fucking adore the shit out of cinnamon girl awesome song yeah. Like, yeah. I would like if you have you don't know who Neil Young is. First of all, I don't know where the fuck you exist and how you're listening to this podcast. But welcome to Earth. And uh, <laughs> go, go find some Neil Young. <laughs> find some Neil Young somehow. I just, you can't go on streaming, but I mean, I'm sure you can find some somewhere. So go, 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 go get some. It's good for your soul. Yeah, it'll help your heart because that's what Neil Young does. He helps people. Yeah, be just by being awesome. <laughs> Uncle and Neil. A little weird. Good old Uncle Neil. All right. Nice. Holy shit. He's 72. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. 45 well to be fair he's looked like he's been in his 70s for probably 20 years you have have you ever seen the live video for rust never sleeps no i don't think where they tried to airbrush off the giant gob of cocaine he had under his nose when he came up from the <laughs> yeah it's uh neil was that kind of guy he was a party guy you know what i mean like it was the 70s <laughs> they were in a big rock and roll band he was like the hottest and I, i'm pretty sure band. he's still in the 70s oh yeah like in his oh head. yeah absolutely absolutely <laughs> Like, I, that's what I mean. Like, he shows up when he, like, does, like, he'll do guest spots on a Pearl Jam show. Like, come out and do Rock in the Free World with them. Or, like, they play fucking up and they cover all, like, they cover a ton of Neil Young, obviously. But, like, he comes out and you, would, you wouldn't, like, you're looking at them like, is there a big age difference here? Not, I mean, based on how he's stomping around and knocking himself into Eddie, not really, I don't think. Because he's a very aggressive yeah. person on stage. Even the last time I saw him was a couple years ago. He came out for PJ11, so 2011, I would have, he came out and did Rock in the Free World with them in toronto and he was just like just bouncing all over the fucking stage like lisa's trying to get a shot of him because we mm. were in the like second row of that show and he was she's like i can't get a clear shot he won't stop fucking moving and i'm like that's how neil young performs lise that's, that's how neil young do. does rock and roll don't stop moving yeah mm. so, oh no, i love neil young uh let's go back around to christy then christy give us another all right so i like we were saying this is in no particular order and it's hard to do some of these polls because there's so many you want to mention but i'm thinking like if i'm talking about everyday listening where i haven't really called the album yet which i'm kind of surprised i haven't but i would say uh city in color oh fuck city in color. dallas green yeah 
Do you hate them, Mark? I do. I hate. I hate. I hate Dallas Green. Period. Oh, you hate Dallas Green. I know. I know Dallas Green. So yeah, he's. From oh St. right, we've talked about yeah, this. He's from St. Catharines. You hate him. I do not like. Dallas I know, but he makes friggin' great mellow chill music. Uh, he does a pretty decent ver- cover of "Passenger" by uh, when he comes out and does the minor part in the Deftones too, which is a very frustrating experience for me as well. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, I'm not a Dallas Green fan, so I'm just going to be quiet while you talk about uh, City and Color. <laughs> really, like the person I really wanted to mention, but I thought this would be like a two birds, one stone kind of situation, was Pink as an artist. I do love Pink, yeah. Pink is outstanding. The things she has yeah. done for women and feminism and music and like the progression of her as a performer, like she's outstanding. But the reason I bring up City and Color is because... One, I could talk about him a little bit less long, which I feel like we need at this point in the episode. Mm. And um, <laughs> also his duet album with Pink, Rose Ave, where they're, they came up with their own like single album. And they've got some just outstandingly beautiful harmonies. And like this one song they have called You and Me, I'm just like, oh, oh. like it's, oh, it's gorgeous. Please, Christy, please go listen to some Matthew Good, please. I'm okay all right <laughs> He's such all right, a all better right. songwriter than dallas green and like dallas green i feel like does the same kind <laughs> I know, of thing i'm sorry your I... version of it sorry it's fine i don't mean to go i'm not gonna edit this out because it's just me being an asshole but i hate it's it. not you being an asshole <laughs> i know i haven't listened to matthew good yet i know that's an atrocity that we've been friends for two years and like doing this podcast now and i've invited you to shows that you bailed on so um i bailed that. on one show yeah i know just get one time i know that's that's one show though i mean i go i go to 40 of them so what are you gonna do <laughs> anyway somebody's got to put his kids through college and that person is me anyway sorry i was gonna say i made that joke earlier in my head no this is my subtle way of getting back at you for not remembering me after eric's wedding <laughs> it's just to make you <laughs> constantly you're like christy listen to matthew good i'm like okay it's the same thing like how you won't play witcher and you're like uh, i'm gonna listen to, I don't know, i'm gonna play witcher this time and i'm like great or mass effect and then you don't that was my geek of the week this week. Was going to be was I started The Witcher this week actually? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, actually, it's not bad. It's like it's slow going at the start, but it is slow going. Most yeah. of my favorite games are slow going at the start. They're uh, they're a payoff. That's a that's a problem for me. So like I'm I'm Ugh. I'm just kind of trying to do like a little bit at a time here. Oh, I'm there. sorry. Did you did you have to walk up and down to get the disc? No, I bought that digitally, <laughs> that so I didn't have to bother a slow that. Start. Would you just talk about Dallas Green and leave me the fuck alone already? <laughs> Um, I'm getting better at ribbing. Up my ass tonight. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I'm leaving yeah, all of no. Christy's learning from us. Yeah, finally. 101 episodes. She's finally shooting back. I've been shooting back for a little while. A little bit. Though, I, as a side note, this is nothing related to what we're talking about. Um, last week, once a week at work, we go lunchtime bowling. And, um, because there's a bowling alley across from the art gallery. Nice. And this guy was just like, ribbing on me. And he just kept like, I, I beat him, but I had no good comebacks. He kept being like, just saying just like stuff. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, well, your face is stupid. Like, I had, I had nothing. Chrissy, remember that thing you're always doing, like, all the time? It's I think it's called improv comedy. You should be better at fucking flinging zingers back. No, I'm life. nice to people in improv. I'm like, oh, everything is yes and. Let's be positive and encourage each other. Why do I feel like you're doing it wrong, then? Yes and your face looks like a nutsack. Yes and. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. City and color. Anyway, and Mark's Dallas Green, City and color. Uh, you don't have to shut up. But I really enjoy listening to 
Dallas Green. I remember when I first discovered that, he, like, I was like, oh, Dallas Green. And someone was like, yeah, City in Color. And I was like, why did you choose that as a band name? And they were like, Christy, City in Color. And I was like, I don't know why you keep repeating it at me. It's a stupid name. And he was like, no, it's Dallas Green. I was like, no, I get that it's Dallas Green. Why would it? Oh, oh my God. Really? It took you that fucking long to figure that out? I'm back for a second. I just need to. <laughs> what? Because I thought Dallas to me, I was just thinking the name Dallas. Mark's laughing at me too. <laughs> he should be laughing. We should all be laughing at you right now. That's terrible. <laughs> I was just like, I don't get this. is a shitty name. That has nothing to do with anything. That's so funny. Uh, um, that was that was part of the reason why, like, when he first came out as that, I was like, of course that's his fucking name. That's like the snarkiest, stupidest, douchiest thing you could possibly <laughs> name. Of course he did. I actually really like it. So. <laughs> but, um... Took me a little while to get it. But yeah, so I just think that he's so, so relaxing to listen to. I like, I just love the sound of his voice. And I remember the first time I heard Arcade Fire and I was like, this is bullshit. Like, where's your more of this quiet guy? Let's hear more of this melody. All right, that's it. I'm slitting my wrists right now. <laughs> like, I'm done. I didn't say I didn't like Arcade Fire. I just wanted to hear more of him. And uh, I actually took photos of him. I've, I've done uh, some photography for, for them. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And I I really like I just remember really digging his his voice and then I went home and listened and was just like holy shit. Oh, everything you do, I love. And um Hello I'm in Delaware was my first real experience with him. And I was listening to it with a friend as we drove through the forest and it was just like huh, it's magical. And then it was the first like Mark and I, when we had our first date, made out hard in his car to a Dallas Green <laughs> album. It's got a very special place in my heart. You're welcome, Mark. You're welcome. Fuck my life. Like, I needed that mental image. <laughs> <laughs> the two of you getting all handsy with each other in the front seat of, like, a Celica or something like that with Dallas Green in the background. I just want to gouge my eyeballs. It was a beautiful moment. Um, on a Hamilton Street, no Series less. of moments. Uh, yeah, it was Locke. It's a nice area. But yeah, so like he's he's got some like and it was a campfire. He always was um, campfire songs that my friends sang when we were at camp. And it was just he's got a lot of like special emotional ties. Some of his music like I would I don't think any of his albums are my favorites because even though I like them, I don't think that they technically tell very deep stories and they seem a little bit more of an amalgamation of singles sometimes. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I really, I really enjoy, I don't know anything about him. I try not to learn excessive amounts about artists when I have someone who is like, no, it's such a dick. (laughs) (laughs) I've had a few people tell me he's a dick and I'm like, okay, I just want to listen to the music. As long as he's not a predator, I don't really like, if he has a shitty personality, I can deal with that as long as I don't like hear about it or like meet him. And Mm -hmm. I can just appreciate his talent. That's fair. I just like, I've met him numerous times and I was always, I was, yeah. yeah. I I was a little bit more like I was slightly into Alexis and Fire or Alexis on Fire. Oh, you guys are killing me tonight. Fuck, but like when too. I was going through like my one or two year like emo phase kind of thing. And but yeah, I never really followed him over to City and Color mainly because I'm just not into that like singer songwritery like guy and his guitar kind of thing. Just. You, like 90% of the time doesn't do it for See, me. See, I don't mind that stuff. I just, I don't like him. I like it. 
Well, that's the thing is, is like, I'm okay with like an artist doing it like once in a while, like on one track on an album kind of thing. But if you put in a whole album, that's just like guy and his guitar or like, Hey, I threw a banjo in here kind of thing. Then what you I'm like ukulele songs? Yeah. Come on, man. I'm probably, hey, I'm whoa, probably wait, not going to listen wait. to that whole album. Of uh, just It was guitar. solid Eddie Vedder and ukulele. Just beautiful. Just his voice in the ukulele <laughs> for like 14 songs. I don't know. I dig that kind of thing. Sometimes I like the the more like relaxed, lyric focused um, yeah. music where it's yeah. No, it's just personal preference. Yeah. yeah, it's usually if the guy's a really good singer, like like I guess Dallas Green has a good voice. I guess I'll I'll give him that much, or like a Matthew Good again, like somebody who's got a really nice like warm voice that I can listen to. I have no problem with like guy and a guitar. Hence, I will go see four of these acoustic Matthew Good shows that are going to come around. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. well, that's mine. That's my poll. And next time I'll talk about Pink and Ella Fitzgerald. Nice. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, Christy has uh, started another theme that I will continue on in terms of talking about Canadian artists. I'm going to go to another artist that I definitely discussed on our uh, concert episode, but has never shown up on my album list, and that is Sloan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hate, the, hate the fans. What is, what's that line again? <laughs> it's not the band I hate. The fans, it's the fans. Yeah. yeah. From Coke What's wrong with Sloan fans? Obnoxious, usually. Oh, I've been to a couple of their more intimate shows, and they are a little crazy. Well, back in the day, they used to be like the if you were on a festival show, they're the ones who were constantly chanting. We've talked about this a million times. They're constantly yeah, yeah, chanting yeah, yeah. for Sloan, like Sloan. I wouldn't do that at festivals. I did that when I went to fucking Sloan shows. Yeah, but... no, I, and that's fine. Like I've been to Sloan <laughs> shows where people are doing it, and I'm like, well, it's cool that you guys have like a thing you do at the concert, like that, like. Keep talking yeah. about Matthew Good, but like we have that the the, the chance We do that for encore breaks and stuff. So I'm totally fine with that. It's just like if you're waiting for another band to play, and just because you're a fan of Slump, don't chant for the other band, especially <laughs> oh, when the other shitty. band's performing. Like yeah. they were pre- chanting it while Matt was playing. I was like, I'm gonna start killing Slum fans in the middle of this concert. It's gonna be amazing because they're all tiny little <laughs> nerdy people like Tim. I can bring them. <laughs> My tiny little nerds. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I I never got super involved in the Sloan like fandom or whatever. That being said, it, they are one of the few bands that I can count that I've actually seen more than once live. I've seen them twice or three times. Three I've times. seen them at least two or three times. I've seen them like a half dozen times. So I think I've seen them more than you. Oh, yes, I've seen them more than well, you. Have. You go to a shit ton more concerts than either. Of I do go to a lot of shows. <laughs> and, yeah. For a second, I got them. I feel guilty. I got them confused with the Trues for a minute. Ooh, no. good. well, yeah. both both uh, Trues are also. Uh, Nova Scotia band, aren't they? Or at least these. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just got, I took photos of the trues at Mac and I, I thought for a long yeah. time it was Sloan. And then I got really embarrassed because I was like, yeah, you know, Sloan. <laughs> like, yeah. you know? I love, I love your songs, guys. I love, I love Underwhelmed. That's actually like, if you were in our generation, that's a, probably a lot more embarrassing than it would be for somebody in your kind of generation. Cause Sloan was a big yeah. fucking deal for a long time in the night in our, in yeah. our kind yeah. of like formative years. So. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, they were one of my favorite bands through most of high school. I think probably through all of high school. Mm. And they haven't shown up my favorite album list yet. Granted, one of their one or two of their albums probably will, depending on how long we keep that series going, kind of thing. But yeah, I I probably first became sort of aware of them when the singles from one chord to another started hitting like the radio, like the Edge and much music and stuff like that. They were just fucking everywhere. And I was like, this is my fucking jam. Like, this is like. Beatles for my generation kind of thing huh. and that's that's my my comparison for Sloan like that they I I would say for my money Sloan is the closest thing that Canada has ever had to the Beatles 
Well, for a long time, they okay. were they were the they were the like, everybody was calling them uh, Canada's answer to Nirvana for a long time too because like that. Yeah. Well, that that like yeah, I can see that smeared and smeared and twice removed. Yeah, like and, twice removed specifically. Yeah. Like she was underwhelmed and all that kind of stuff. But but they had. I mean, they they obviously had a, pulled a lot of influence from the Beatles, mm-hmm. but they also like the Beatles had multiple songwriters that each had their own like distinctive styles. Like you can instantly tell a Chris Murphy song from a Jay song yeah. from a Patrick song and like the rare Andrew song that you'd get kind of thing. What was always cool about Sloan too is that they all kind of flipped instruments a lot. Yeah, they're all multi-instrumentalists as well and they were all really talented mm. instrumentalists and mm. And was it was it Chris Murphy the lead the like kind of the main guy? Yeah. He got around. He was kind that of man, he was dating Feist for a little while. That guy just got yeah. a crazy amount of tail. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But I think that that sort of the fact that they all sort of split the songwriting duties is one of the reasons why their albums aren't like higher up on my list kind of thing, because they don't necessarily cohere together the same way that like something that's got, you know, one or two people sort of driving all the songwriting behind it. Mm. So they end up being a little disjointed, sort of jumping back and forth between their different styles. They're all like they all their styles are valid and good to me, but they just don't they necessarily all mesh together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they don't jive together very well either on the albums a lot. Like, and they, they find their first like yeah. two or three, they're a little bit better about like keeping the tone a little bit more consistent. And as they went along, they were like, nah, fuck it. Let's just throw everything at everybody because everybody loves us at this point. So we can kind of get away yeah. with it. But they're really good. There's something pretty cool about just like not being so big headed that any one person was like, no, this style's the best. They were like, let's mm-hmm. play and let's all experience our own styles because how like that's a great way of keeping coercion and uh, coercion in the group. Yeah. Just being like, yeah, we're all going to play together. Yeah. I think that's absolutely one of the reasons why Sloan has stayed together as long as they have. They're very much actually one of the few bands from that era that didn't that never broke up or didn't have like a solo no. breakout or anything. Like and they that. never really had much in the way of drama or anything no. either that I can recall. Like no, they, they were, were always fun. always got along pretty well. Yeah, the only thing I remember was there was some tension over the Feist thing because that became very public. Like when she, what happened? You know, the song "Other Man" is a actual telling of what happened. He was the other man in Kevin Drew from Broken Social Scene and Feist Leslie Feist uh, relationship. relationship. Ooh, yeah. So uh, that's that, awkward. That was the only time I ever heard Chris Murphy's name come up negatively in the Can Rock scene. Whereas, like, I and it's a scene I'm very involved with, right? Like, I know all these guys. Like, I've been to all their shows i've met most of them like that kind of thing sloan was one of those bands never you never heard anybody talk any shit about like people talk shit about matt talk shit about our lady peace talk shit about the tea party guys talk shit about like edwin and i mother earth hugh dylan's crazy fucking heroin fucking addled insanity spitting and kicking people in the mosh pit and shit like you never hear that kind of stuff about sloan they're always just like super nice guys went up played a fucking out two hour set super chill came out and drank with everybody yep. for the rest of the night like just the nicest guys so yeah they are and i've i mean i've met several of them in person like just in passing like there was uh that show where we went to saw them at the Palais Royale where they're uh, oh, recording that live album um like we got there really early because we were super excited and we got to the venue they're like yeah we're not gonna open the doors yet so we like walked across the that bridge over the lakeshore to go get some food and as we were walking across chris murphy was coming back after like having had dinner kind of thing and walking over to the venue and we all got a picture with him kind of thing he's like yeah sure we'll give you a picture and uh and then the the one of the other times i saw him was at the cool house and we legit like i got a copy of navy blues on vinyl and had like three out of the four of them sign it and we legit snuck backstage like into their uh, like after party and we're like drinking with them and shit like yeah. that and just yeah they were like yeah. they totally must have known we weren't fucking supposed to be there but they're just like whatever kind of thing it 
was the Deers in the song too. Deers were there too. Yeah, the the, uh, the warehouse was notorious for their bad security in the backstage because <laughs> there was a, at least there was two Matthew Good shows that I snuck backstage in, and I watched Jeff Martin doing a whole bunch of stuff that I probably should not have seen Jeff Martin do because he was just <laughs> they were in town playing shows like the next night or something like that. I think I was doing like a four night stand at the warehouse. It was like. Matthew Goodband, Matthew Goodband, Tea Party, Tea Party, like back to back or something like that. And so Jeff Martin came mm-hmm. out on stage and did enjoy the silence with the Matthew Goodband. And we got backstage and I was like, well, I probably shouldn't have seen you do that right right now. But that's cool. And we had a beer, I had a beer <laughs> with him later. It was fun. But anyway, yeah, the warehouse is a weird building. I miss that building, though. It's such a good fucking venue. I love that venue. Yeah. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. But yeah, going back to like that, that Beatles analogy, they have very much that same style of harmony on a lot of their tracks as well where it's like tight multi-part vocals and like I said they're all super talented instrumentalists they've got a huge fucking catalog of great pop songs and i mean when i first started hearing sloan like said those i probably first heard this that stuff off one chord to another but then went back into like the earlier grungier stuff but like that catchy power pop stuff from one chord to another and like navy blues that shit was like right up my fucking alley like yeah, I could I could see how that would just be like totally Tim's thing. Yeah, little little bit of an edge, not too much. Great fucking hooks. Yeah, I do love the the earlier grungier stuff, like stuff like Coax Me and Underwhelm and that kind of thing, and like People This Sky. But like the two albums that really are like my Sloan albums are One Chord to the Other and the double album Navy Blues. They're both just fucking packed with great songs, like yeah. everything you've done wrong, and she says what she means, and Money City Maniacs. We played that, like I think I said a couple weeks ago when we were talking about our like band and performance experiences. Like we would always play that fucking song to open all of our shows or whatever concerts or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I do. They're a band where I have a lot of love for a lot of the B sides and stuff too. Like Navy Blues had stuff like Iggy and Angus and Keep On Thinking, which are both fucking really good songs. They lost me a bit like post Navy Blues, but they still like ha- would have like at least a solid single off most of the albums, even though a lot of the albums just kind of felt like filler to me. But my my advice to you is a Matthew Good fan who has had the same thing happen to him like a number of times where like I, the albums come out and I'm like, eh, fuck it, whatever. I'll just move on. Like, I'll go see a live show maybe because I like going to see him live, but mm. the album doesn't do anything for me. Go back to those records. You'll probably find something in there you like that you didn't before. Yeah, because that's what happened with me with those albums. So Yeah. Like I even went back to those Sloan records not too long ago and listened to like the first bunch. I was like, fuck, those are really good CDs. Like mm-hmm. awesome, awesome albums from beginning to back, like front to back. So Yeah, there's still like there are tracks that I like off stuff like uh Twice Removed and Pretty Together, but they're just not like the same level kind of thing. Like they're songs that I don't know, man. That other man's song, which is a later period song, is like one of Oh yeah. Songs. I mean it's like it's Yeah, it track. is. But like I said, I mean at those later albums, I was like, okay, there's one or two like real standout tracks on here, but most of this yeah. is just like good, but not when you compare it to like their best kind of thing, it's sort of you know mediocre by comparison. Yeah. I just find like as I've grown up with a band, it's nice to always kind of go back and be like, maybe I'm mature enough to like get what they're getting they're trying to get mm-hmm. to on that album where maybe i wasn't ready for it at that point or whatever i like going to back and revisit stuff that i didn't like or like from a favorite artist specifically that i didn't care for originally and just be like oh wait yeah it's like five years removed and now i'm like now i get it and it clicks or yeah yeah now i'm into it yeah so but yeah i never write anything off like that i'm always like yeah i don't like it right now that's usually what i'll say it's like right now not working for me but you know what in five years who the fuck yeah so Oh, so you think you're gonna like Dallas and five? No, probably not. I just don't like him as a person, so I don't. I doubt I'll ever. I know. I'm just, I'm just but yeah, spoiler alert: when uh, when we eventually do our like 
favorite Canadian artists episode, it'll probably be like between like probably like Weaker Thans and Sloan for me will be the two that'll be like battling it out. Yeah, if we ever do, if mm. we ever do that, we'll have to completely disqualify the hip. Conversation about yeah. it, but we've already know who my two bands are. Yeah. Anyway, so nope. I'll be the weird hitter. <laughs> uh, all right, well, let's go back around to Mark for I think maybe our last one. Yeah. Well, why don't we? We're at two hours, so why don't we? I'm going to do a teaser. This is me forcing people to go to another podcast. <laughs> so I was going to talk about Alice in Chains, who are a band that I fucking absolutely adore and have adored forever, and am now kind of getting back into as they they've reunited and stuff like that post Lane having died in 2002 and stuff. But so that the episode's not a million years long. The episode of Side A, Side B that comes out this week is not Alice in Chains, but the next episode of Side A, Side B will be a double feature Alice in Chains. Uh, we're going to be covering Dirt and the Devil Put Dinosaurs here. So you're going to get like a nice span of Alice in Chains to talk about and probably hear my brother bitch about modern Alice in Chains because that's what he does. <laughs> so let's let's leave it at that and keep this episode from being two and a half hours long as opposed to me talking about Alice in Chains in depth, um, which I'm going to do on another podcast anyway. Fair enough. So check out episode i'm gonna say 10 of side a side b it's yeah right. you guys have been um, killing it yeah we're uh we're, we're starting to move which is nice it's a little um, little backdoor pilot action here phrasing yeah yeah well no with paul and i really you're gonna even bother with phrasing <laughs> no no i don't i don't want to imply anything between brothers on the other podcast trust me you should you should, <laughs> you should you have to meet my cousin sometimes you want to talk about weird, <laughs> weird relationships fair enough well with that teaser yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, I think we definitely have more that we could do with this. I mean, obviously, we have oh, a lot yeah. of artists that we that we haven't even touched on yet. We're all pretty musical people, so I think we'll definitely come back to this topic. So, thank you very much for listening, folks. And if some of our artists resonated with you, or we missed some of your favorite tracks by them, or something like that, or you have experiences, or have gone to see some of them live, or something like that, let us know. You can yeah. do so on our. Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash dance robot dance podcast. You can email us at dance robot dance podcast at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Twitter at DRD underscore podcast. If you are not already, you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or the Google Play Store or most places where podcasts may be found. And if you do so as well, uh, feel free to give us a like or a share or whatever the review would be nice Rate you know, review, review, review would be reviews. nice as well because that helps uh, sort of Im- increase our visibility and the more people that we have listening to us means the more interactivity that we get sort of thing so at some point i would like to start doing like hey let's throw out a few topics to people and then like you can choose what episode we'll do in a couple yeah of weeks absolutely so. and if you guys have any suggestions for next week just shoot them at me because i'm drawing a blank right now so there's <laughs> yeah I just looked it up. It'll be episode nine of Side A, Side B. It'll be out in a couple of weeks. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So Alice, no, the Alice in Chains extravaganza. Yeah. We're doing, uh, we're doing two records. Side. Paul is not excited at all. I am dying for this episode. <laughs> I've been in a huge Alice in Chains kick the last, I saw them at Massey Hall. I think I talked about it on the podcast a couple weeks ago. And ever since then, it's just been like all Alice all the time. It's not healthy, but crunchy and I'm enjoying it. So yeah. So episode nine of Side A, Side B will be. It'll get. I'll be sharing it on the fucking Dance Robot Dance podcast or yeah. Facebook page anyway. So you'll you'll see it. it. Don't you worry. 
Although Facebook doesn't like to share a post because we don't pay Facebook to share a post. But yeah, I'm gonna have to start figuring that one out. So <laughs> we just give ten bucks an episode to boost, maybe. Yeah, probably. I was gonna start doing it's... that when I have you know money coming in. I just don't like giving Facebook money. It's weird because they get denied if there's like links to certain websites. Like I think if there's like links to iTunes mm. and stuff like that in the. So we got to figure out our way around. Yeah, that, but we can figure out that figure later out. in our Side fucking part. listeners. Yeah, yeah sorry, listeners. Ha ha. <laughs> little little uh inside fool there all right thanks again for listening folks this has been tim signing off say good night christy good night christy say good night mark good night go listen to some good music let us know what it is and we will see you next time Mm, what you say (laughs) on the on the yellow brick road goodbye yellow brick road i thought she was gonna sing me sarah mclaughlin before the episode was over but i guess i'm i'm kind of no no i'm gonna play that on the ukulele and just send it to you without reference with... at some point. amazing <laughs> in the arms of the angels there Fly are sad dogs that need a home here. yep <laughs> from this dark cold hotel room oh yeah oh yeah it's right. gonna happen